0: Reproduction or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. Of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. Let us play with all our let us think that
1: we're big boys. let us let
0: us You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com, on iTunes, and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show.
2: Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goats. It's scaring them.
3: Alright, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Okay! Game on! Game on! Game on!
2: word where it is? Alright,
0: alright, alright. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. So you know. you, you.
2: Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am. Nobody.
4: You. Bye-bye! Yeah. Good, good, please take your seat if I was we here. Com- oh
5: ate- oh are Start!
1: two, one. to <susss>
3: Good evening and welcome to another week of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's great to have you along for the ride on this Monday, May 8th. Captain Gail Shirk's birthday, one of our great listeners. Happy birthday, Gail. Tuesday, May 9th, if you're listening in on the East Coast, hope you had a great day and a great weekend that just passed. We are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North, as we are live seven days a week. Let's welcome in our terrestrial radio stations WQEE 99 Rock the Key Down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We're also live in New Orleans on 107.7 FM, the United Public Radio Network, which is also spread over 160 countries around. Around the world good to have you with us we're live on spacedoutradio.com on Spreaker, KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio. Remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. All of our theme music is provided by the guitar god himself, Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official sound of FSO are. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn, download our shows from iTunes, on Instagram, you can follow me at S O R. subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show, we're also on RadioGuide.fm, Talk Stream Live, Stitcher, and Player.fm. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, and if you head over to Patreon.com, for as low as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of SOR. Now, if you want to take part in this show, we don't take phone calls, but we do take all of your questions from the chat rooms. And we got a plethora of chat rooms. Go to our website, click on Listen Live, sign into the chat room there. If you're on Revolution Radio, we'll hit you up there as well. On Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or if you're one of the lucky valued members of the SOR Space Travelers Club on Facebook. Or if you go to Twitter, just use a hashtag, radio. I'll get to your questions and comments in there as well. If you head to our website for just 5 bucks a month, you can become an SOR space traveler. We have a great news section called The Encounter Online, dealing with everything paranormal, courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. You can also check out my latest blog on there as well. And if you've had a sighting you can't explain, fill out an SOR sightlines report. Our researcher, Mike Smith, is ready to find out what's going on. Now, tonight we're back for an abbreviated week for me on this show. I'm actually taking a holiday. Hard to believe I know. I know you guys are like, what? What's going on? Why is Dave taking a holiday? He never takes a holiday. Well, I'm going to be here tonight and tomorrow night. James Tyson from Space Out Weekend will be filling in for me the rest of the weekend on Monday because I'm traveling to Boston on Wednesday, Wednesday. And I will be taking part in the first annual Provincetown Paracon. I will be back hosting the show on Tuesday, May 16th. So make sure you still check out the show. Still live programming. Nothing recorded because we keep it live for you every single show. So to warm up for the weekend, we are getting a little ghostly and alien tonight with an intriguing paranormal adventure from our guest, Michael Huntington. Michael is a great paranormal investigator and enthusiast who loves traveling adventures when it comes to finding all things weird and spooky. Whether it's ghosts or the latest UFO sightings, or even looking into the mysteries of the past, Michael is someone who loves to find a good story and see where it goes. It's the paranormal vagabond lifestyle of this adventure that he enjoys the most. You can try out his website. Huntingtonstrangetravels.wordpress.com. I'll give that to you once again. Huntingtonstrangetravels.wordpress.com. Michael Huntington, welcome to Space Out Radio for the first time. How are you, my friend?
6: Uh, I am doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's good
3: to be here. You know what? I I love what you do, my friend. I really do. And I'm excited to get into it because we're going to talk about this literally for three hours tonight, you're going to go the distance. And I love it when guests go the distance. You know, you're not doing the seventh inning stretch after two. Nope. You're going the full nine innings tonight. And I appreciate that. You know, and one of the things that I'm excited to have you on is you're a paranormal investigator. You are someone who looks at the entire tree of the paranormal and you investigate each simple branch. What made you get into the paranormal? What Really stirred this whole topic and this whole travel up for you. Uh,
6: well, um, I actually don't really consider myself too much of a a, a paranormal investigator, more as a, a, a researcher i don't I don't necessarily take equipment into places and engage in uh, uh, scientific studies in order to uh, gather evidence. I do like to go to places to uh, document. Uh, the stories and the folklore and the history surrounding all of it uh, and impact upon, uh, uh, history and culture and, uh, to get some good, uh, photographs, uh, and also just to be in these, uh, interesting spots, uh, that I, uh, that I grew up, uh, reading about in books. Uh, I'm, uh, just shy of 50, uh, which means, uh, you know, back in the seventies, I was, uh, an impressionable, uh, youth and, uh, uh, during that time period, uh, especially in the Midwest, uh, the paranormal, uh, was a, a, a dominant factor, at least in, the, in my household. Uh, we, uh, we got the, uh, the weekly tabloids and, you know, we went to the, uh, the drive-ins and we watched, uh, the, uh, Chic Sun classics, you know, the, the, the cheesy documentaries on, uh, various paranormal, uh, things and, uh in the Midwest during that time period, there was a, a a lot of UFO sightings. Uh, so, uh, I pretty much was around that culture, uh, growing up uh, throughout the seventies and it, it, uh, it it got me into it back then. And it it really has never left. And now that I'm older and, uh, you know, I, I, I have a family and, and we like to travel. I, uh, I travel to some of these, uh, uh, places that i read about as a kid to try to uh, you know get an idea of uh, what the locations were like and where people were and you know it, it's sort of an after after effect uh sort of way to look at it and to to, to connect to it you know uh it's, it's a little better than that, just reading about it or, or watching a documentary and uh we started doing this a few years ago and uh it's uh taken off we have a lot of fun we visit uh all kinds of interesting uh, places uh, along the routes that we travel when we take our uh, our regular vacations. If there's a UFO landing that took place nearby or a haunted house or uh, you know, a Bigfoot sighting, we'll, uh, we'll try to stop off and uh, get a look at it and document it and share it with people.
3: That sounds absolutely amazing. How did you get your wife... To go along with this is she, an, <laughs> is she an enthusiast as well or she's like oh my gosh mike's taking us on another adventure where are we going this time mike
6: yeah uh well i mean uh i've been to these places but you know my wife and my kids have also been to these places you know so i'm i'm, I'm giving them you know this unusual experience uh I, I try not to rob them of regular vacations. You know, I don't I don't try not to go too far off uh, course and drag them out to a field or anything like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, we try to have fun. My my wife is not really into the subject, <laughs> uh, but she knows me. She knows that I am into the subject, and she knows it will be fun and interesting and different, and it's something that I, you know, like to do, so she supports that. Yeah, people automatically, you know, assume that she must be into the subject or she must be really, really understanding. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, if you're not really into, you know, the weird stuff, it's just sort of an eye roll sort of thing. But, uh, you know, she's she has fun and we have fun and she knows it's uh, it, it's unique experiences that we are having.
3: How do your kids like it? They think Daddy weird is weird, or do, do they go along with it, thinking it's some sort of cool, crazy adventure?
6: Uh, yep, yeah, both of those. I think <laughs> they 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 know it's a little different, and uh, you know, uh, but they also, you know, as kids, they're they're getting to do some of the cool stuff that I wish I could have done when I was a kid. You know, uh, my boys have hunted uh, through the TNT swamps of Point Pleasant, looking for the mothman. You know, in the real spot. Uh, they've been into haunted houses and they've been to uh, you know, where uh, alien spacecraft have, have landed and where people have uh, seen Bigfoot. So, you know, they're, they're, they sort of have a cool bragging right thing uh, with some of their other, you know, friends and schoolmates, <laughs> but uh, you know, they, they think it's fun. They think it's cool. I, I, I like I, immersing them into this, uh, you know, not to have a belief system or anything because I don't necessarily believe in, in all the stuff that I uh, research or study. Um, but it it gets them curious and it gets them interested, especially, uh, you know, when I ask them about different theories, you know, because I, I try to get, get them to uh, think of different things that, uh, you know, say a Bigfoot could be, you know, and it, it's fun hearing uh, their interpretations. And, uh, you know, that's sort of the point with uh, bringing the kids uh, along as well is to uh, – get them interested into the, into the strange, the unusual, and, uh, you know, in the sciences as well. We, we do visit a lot of, uh, uh, you know, museums too. Usually we'll be going to museums, uh, as we're stopping off at some of the strange
3: places. You know, one of the things I actually like about this is you are teaching your children history. So it is a learning experience. It's just coming from a different nature. So, Every time you go on an adventure, it is a history lesson for them, right? Um,
6: and it, it, we go to a lot of aviation museums, you know, uh, and we kind of look at uh, you know it's connected to the UFO stuff because there's a lot of uh, interesting aircraft that are that are part of the uh, the UFO story over the history, especially a lot of you know secret X planes, uh, and we we try to hunt those down, track those down at the different museums to. Uh, to get a look at them and uh yeah uh there's also the ulterior motive of you know i i'd I'd like my kids to go into uh you know the sciences and and into aviation perhaps you know or or uh or something like that so uh, yeah there's there's double benefits i get to write about different things and the kids get to uh you know experience cool jets and stuff like that
3: that's what i loved about taking my kids down to boeing field in seattle is to right. ex- experience that, and the cool part about it is, in Seattle, you can actually sit inside an SR-71, which is absolutely oh. insane. You know, nice. so. But I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a cockpit of an SR-71 up close and personal. But even yep. with a spacesuit, I am surprised those guys could even get in there. My goodness, <laughs> that's tiny. Yeah, very tiny. Yeah, or they, I, think,
6: I, I think they literally had tools that you know they called a can opener you know to kind of get these guys out of uh, out of these uh these craft they were squeezed in so so ty you're right
3: so did you have paranormal or ufological experiences as as a kid that led you to this path of intrigue or was this just one of those hobbies that you thought man this would be cool to study because i just love this stuff
6: well it- yeah, I've always, uh, you know, found it interesting and, uh, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of uh, UFO books uh, and paranormal, you know, ancient aliens and uh, Loch Ness Monster, all that sort of stuff back then. Uh, and uh, that was pretty much uh, the predominant influence. Uh, I did have, you know, a sighting a, a uh, when I was around 10. But, uh, you know, it, it just sort of solidified my interest in it, you know. Um, and uh, I, I had a sighting in 2008 as well, but uh, that appeared probably more like maybe a secret government uh, craft just by its uh, its appearance. You know, it was one of those black triangles. Um, other than that, I uh, you know, aside from seeing a couple of objects, I haven't really had any uh, you know monster encounters or ghost encounters uh you know i i've been in uh some of the most haunted houses uh so you know i haven't really had any any experiences along that realm uh i mean i've had a, a few photographic anomalies at different uh places that were uh considered active either in the uh, ufos or ghosts and uh you know a few interesting things occurred. You know with the with the equipment and the uh, photographs, but nothing overt. Nothing. You know, no ghost tapping me on the shoulder, or materializing in front of me, or uh, you know uh, encounters with any uh, man, beasts or, or 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 anything. At least you know recently, or or anything that uh, you know is concurring.
3: So what do you prefer to investigate? Do you like the paranormal? Do you like the cryptid things like Mothman or Bigfoot? Or do you prefer going to the UFO hotspots? What really geeks you up about this? <laughs> well, um,
6: it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I like to have a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, eclectic interests. You know, uh, all these are kind of tied into each other. And, and I think if you... You know, if you talk to people that are into uh, you know ghosts or UFOs or Bigfoot or whatever, they're they're also interested in some of the other, uh, you know, unknown mysterious phenomenon, uh, whatever it be. Um, But no, I uh, no. uh, What was your question
3: again? I'm sorry. Well, what do you prefer to (laughs) what do you prefer to investigate? Oh, yeah.
6: Uh, well, I mean, uh, I, I prefer UFOs. Uh, that's probably the subject I've, I've read the most about and have had experience, as you know. Uh, I was a member of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization uh, back when they were in operation, and uh, as well as I was a member of MUFON from time to time. Uh, but, yeah, I've always had my foot sort of in that. Uh, but, you know, I have read and... and uh, researched a lot of the other uh the other interesting stuff. I do find Bigfoot fascinating, you know, especially since there's a lot of uh locations around, you know, my area in Southern Illinois, there's a lot of uh, interesting cryptid uh, encounters that uh that are interesting to, to to visit and uh speculate about. So uh I don't know, probably probably UFOs and Bigfoot probably be the big one.
3: Mine too. I'm going to tell you right now, man. <laughs> If you ever make it to British Columbia, you come up to see me. We have (laughs) absolutely everything. I I have been tipped off to where there is a Bigfoot hotspot, and my area where I live has one of the most famous alien abduction stories in North America by a lady named Miriam Delicato back in 1988. And I think I've actually found the spot where it happened and i'm going to be with miriam later on this summer to actually discuss it with her and take her back there and, and find out where it is so if you want aliens you want bigfoot you come visit me <laughs> bring the family on up the door is open at the scott's household here and yeah,
6: I, I, uh, I think we i think we will have uh, you know some uh, pacific northwest travels here in the next few we, we actually do have some uh, planned to happen to seattle and vancouver so We'll
3: see. Well, I'm about five hours north of Vancouver, so you just got to keep Bro, on driving. Oh, okay. <laughs> keep on driving. Okay. hmm right. uh, Now, you mentioned that you like Bigfoot and UFOs the best. And, and I got to say, right off the bat, you sound way too normal to be dealing in this stuff. And way too level-headed. Usually, us people who wear the tinfoil hats, we're, we're a little quirky, Mike, and I'm not getting that from you. Um, I'm, I'm very
6: quirky. I mean, I mean, you have to be quirky if, you know, if you're sort of immersed into this, you know, all the time and, and people that, you know, follow my, my blogs, you know, Instagram or Facebook or we, you know, whatever I'm putting stuff out there for, you know, they know that I, you know, I try to put, you know, a few things out a day. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure some people are like, man, he's, he's really into this stuff, but you know. Uh, some people may uh, worry about my sanity, but you know, hey, I'm, I'm keeping busy. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm it's not really as insane, uh, it, you know, it, as long as you, uh, you know, keep your uh, your feet on the ground. I mean, there's there, there's a lot of insane elements to, uh, you know, the 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 various phenomena themselves, but you know, so but also the cultures involved you know so it's, it's so with all different kinds of people and uh I, I do appreciate you you thinking that i'm level-headed but uh yeah i'm, I'm, I'm probably just as strange as any, anybody else that's really into these subjects you know uh, i
3: know the feeling whatever <laughs> I, I, I know the feeling so let's start off with some ufo chatter here because i'm a big ufo guy as well And I'm a firm believer that there is something flying around in the skies that we just don't know. And, you know, there's too many experiences that people have out there, millions of people out there have had that just don't make sense. And I'm not saying looking up in the sky and seeing, you know, a strobing light that disappears or or the satellites that maybe are traveling a little too fast. I'm saying real close encounters where you get that question from a lot of people. Oh, are you on drugs? You know what I'm saying? Right. There's a lot of that happening out there. And I'm just wondering, you know, when you're dealing with the field of ufology, how do you go about it? Do you go about the experiencers and what they've said, or do you go about it by collecting evidence on what others, other reports have had, maybe stories that have gotten the media or government speculation, so on and so forth?
6: Well, um, I, I haven't really been in the uh, the field investigation, you know, uh, game. Too much, uh, like any anybody else, you know. I, I read all the manuals and, and all that, and, uh, but uh, for me, uh, I sort of look at it as as a uh, as a nuts and bolts guy, uh, not necessarily accepting that everything is answerable to the extraterrestrial hypothesis, because I I really don't think that everything is. And I think uh one problem that we do have uh, is putting all of these cases together uh cases that have different levels of merit, different levels of evidence, uh you know perhaps different phenomena, and we sort of put them into you know one encompassing overall phenomena that we that we want a universal you know unified field answer for uh, And some people believe that, you know, the preponderance of, uh, you know, the unknown cases uh, uh, are extraterrestrial in origin. And that has become the predominant viewpoint for, uh, you know, mainstream ufology is that uh, we are dealing with an extraterrestrial presence. Uh, There are those that do postulate more metaphysical ideas or or ideas of uh, beings coming from, you know, multiple dimensions uh you know that, but there's an arm within within ufology that uh that believes that i i try to uh view things through the uh the lens of scientific ufology that is something that uh i i support and i and i think that the focus needs to be more on uh looking at the cases individually, uh, establishing a non-biased uh, methodology for investigating in the field and uh, you know actually trying to get out and verify and identify and, and perhaps get some science from some of the anomalies you know so um, I've sort of moved away I, there, there's always the theoretical side to things and uh, you know you're going to have like a, cases that may merit you know, the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis. But I think if, uh, ufology is going to be more than just a, a, a belief system where you're trying to get people to, you're trying to persuade people to believe something. Uh, I, I think we're missing the point that we need to get to, you know, that there's actually anomalies out there that are worthy of investigations. Some of them, uh, you know, might be natural phenomena. Some of, some of them might be unknown phenomena that we can, uh, that we can uh, investigate and should investigate. And certainly some of them are probably uh, secret government craft. but, uh, you know, and some of them might be extraterrestrial. But in order to get to those, you know, we have to filter through a lot of this other stuff and we have to do it in an unbiased manner so that we can actually get some good supporting evidence. That's That's what we're lacking. And that's what the focus needs to be on. Not persuading, but persuading through evidence and through uh, field investigations and field studies, in my estimation. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, The big answer to that question is, uh, it depends on what case you're talking about.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely that every case is different. But what do you think is actually up in the sky? So out of every 10 UFO sightings, how many do you think are ours compared to of other worlds?
6: Well, I guess uh, what 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 have been the statistics that uh, have been thrown around since, uh, you know, the 60s that, you know, a majority of UFO uh, uh, sightings are probably some sort of, you know, IFO that are misidentified. So what does that leave us? A, a few out of those 10 that are, uh, you know, maybe something interesting. Uh, you know, surely uh, people are misidentifying things and surely people are seeing stuff that is probably ours. You know how do how do we get to the the really anomalous stuff, the you know the weird stuff that you know that we can and try to figure out you know what they're doing and try to figure out patterns and try to you know get some evidence. You know we we can record cases after the fact forever, and you know you'll get statistical data that way. You know as long as it's vented and purged, you know you know a lot of that stuff is not really thoroughly investigated. Uh, a lot of those cases are not thoroughly investigated. I think, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I I I think probably maybe one out of ten. You know, maybe maybe half of one out of ten is, is maybe something that that could be uh, something from elsewhere. Um. You know, I, it's sort of a cop-out answer, but you know, th- this is really, you know been my position that I've developed that, you know, uh, some UFOs might be from here. Some might be from there. Some might, you know, most are probably misidentified, but, uh, you know, how do we get to that small fraction?
3: I understand that. And do you believe though, that the, the anomalous things that are in the sky that people are reporting are of true nature? Do you think people are actually seeing what they are seeing, or do you think that they just don't study what is happening up in the state, up in the sky? Pardon me, enough to have clarity as to what the International Space Station is, or what a satellite is, or hell, even even a bright planet, meteorites, for yeah, instance.
6: Uh, right? Uh, yeah, general folks. You know, even though they do have you know apps on their phones to help them with a lot of this sort of stuff, you know, uh, are capable of misidentifying things. You know, um, but what do we what do we actually see? I don't I don't know, <laughs> and uh, um, I don't know. Uh, some of this stuff might be from other planets. How, how do how do we determine that? You know, do we do we determine that through uh, you know, physical evidence from close encounter sites or, you know, uh, uh, evidence from, uh, you know, abduction cases, you know, because uh, that moves you into a different realm of, uh, you know, what is substantial evidence? What is, uh, you know, evidence that is going to be, uh, you know, conducive towards uh, promoting a theory? Cause, you know, mainstream science does have negative views of, you know, some of the techniques that are utilized in in close encounter of the second kind case or third kind cases. You know, so. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think if we had, you know, some sort of physical evidence uh, uh, denoting uh, and that's that's really, you know, where a good place that a lot of ecology can't focus on is trying to get, get back to getting some physical evidence, you know, things that are, that are measurable. Uh, you know, this is my old nuts and bolts side. Uh, some people, you know, have metaphysical interpretations, uh, you know, to where, you know, all of this is not going to necessarily make scientific sense. Uh, and that opens up the philosophical questions. But for me, uh, yeah, evidence is, is, is a key thing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to believe something based upon, you know, somebody's testimony. Uh, you know, I, I want to know something by having strong evidence or a preponderance of the evidence that, uh, that is going to support, you know, hypotheses.
3: Do you believe then that we are putting too much stock or not enough stock anymore in the actual experience people are having?
6: Uh, well, no, I, th- I think people are interested in, in the experience because uh, whether or not you're dealing with a, a real external, you know, phenomenon, regardless of you know whether it's from outer space or man-made or you know some something natural, uh, people are seeing something and they are be- being affected by it. And even if it is a figment of their imagination, a lot of a lot of these people had built belief systems around it. So regardless of, you know, the reality of a circumstance, although the reality is very important as to whether or not we're being visited by extraterrestrials, you know, but regardless, uh, there is something to be learned uh, either way. You know, psychology can benefit from looking at at the issue or, you know, philosophy or, you know, physics, uh, geology, whatever. whatever the circumstance, uh, now, uh, is it possible that we're dealing with some sort of psychic manifestation? Um, as some people, you know, from, uh, you know, maybe the valet camp, uh, uh, might, might believe, or, you know, interdimensional beings, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, these are sort of alternatives to the extraterrestrial hypothesis. They, they may or may not be possible, but, you know, how, how do we, how do we establish that? You know, how do we, how do we get the evidence to, to make those determinations? Uh, do we just, uh, listen to people's accounts and, and collect anecdotes as uh, your anecdotes as, uh, you know, as the evidence of, of that reality? Uh, I don't know. That's, uh, I, again, you know, think that, uh, the physical evidence gathering, uh, is probably your best bet to answering some of the, uh, of the
3: issues. And I understand that every time you have a first-person experience that comes out, that there are three sides to that story. There's the person's side, who experienced it, there's the eyewitness side, and then there's the truth somewhere down the middle. And, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But do you think today, because one thing I have noticed with a lot of researchers out there, they still love to hear the story, but they are so committed and so focused on getting disclosure or scientific evidence of proof that they have absolutely put the experiencer on the back burner. Do you think that's a right or wrong way to approach these investigations?
6: Uh. Not at all. And, uh, you know, me saying what I just said, you know, in, in promotion of, of, of the science and what evidence would be sufficient for myself, uh, that is in no way knocking people that have had experiences. Uh, I myself have had experiences now, you know, what experience I had, I cannot tell you, and I can offer you no evidence, uh, but it's still a part of me it still has influenced me and and people you know should respect the experience that that somebody's had as long as they're being honest you know there are con men out there there are people that you know perhaps are delusional but i think there are also genuine people out there that have had really unusual things happen because they were in close proximity to something that you know, we we don't know what it was. Something that was anomalous, and uh, you know, finding out what that is, is 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 important. But also recognizing that you know, if uh, it, it it will come down to the credibility of a person uh, when we are when we are left uh, with accounts you know, that, that have, have little physical evidence to go along with them, but, and there are people out there that, uh, that have had experiences that I have talked to and that others have talked to that are, they're either the best con person around or, you know, they are genuine and sincere. And, uh, that's sort of subjective as to whether or not you'll, you'll accept somebody's, you know, ideas or views or, or, you know, what you think of their, their stories. But, uh, you know, I, I always, uh, unless somebody is overtly, you know, crazy or a con man, I, I listen to people and I respect, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, they, they may have had something that, uh, weird happen to them. And, uh, I'm open to that and poss- that possibility as well. I'm, I'm not saying there aren't aliens or anything, But uh, I really want to know, you know, and I really want to, you know, I've been following this for 40 years now, you know, and it's sort of been the same recounts of stories and the same, you know, sensationalism over and over. But, uh, you know, I'd like to get down to, you know, knocking out some of these uh, some of these things and trying to figure out what some of these things are, if that takes disclosure or if that takes field investigation or. You know, whatever. Um, I, I, I I guess other people feel the same way. You know, I, it, it's not a big issue unless you're really into the issue,
3: you know. But uh oh, Come fascinated on, come on. You, you haven't seen any aliens <laughs> yet. You haven't gone on a date at, to the local, you know, Denny's or something along that line with a gray or a reptilian. I'm, I'm. I need. I need some juice here, man. I need some juice. You're. You're. You're being way too straight on this. Way too straight. No, I'm teasing a little bit there. I okay. agree. I agree. I honestly agree with the way you. Uh, you are doing your research, and you know it's nice to hear a, a voice of reason in these topics because so many people in this field absolutely have one way of thinking that's their way of thinking nobody else is right you're honestly mike you're you're very refreshing i'm not used to this oh well thanks uh hey i but i can get
6: uh you know i can get showman though too you know i i i am a ufo researcher i'm not really a ufo investigator so you know i i can get away with uh you know, just reading about it and writing about it every once in a while. But you know, I, I do consider myself a, a paranormal travel writer, and I and I do try to uh, play up, uh, you know, some of the folklore and some of the uh, the thrill and wonder of some of these stories because you know these stories are great. You know, uh, ghost stories, Bigfoot stories, UFO stories. They they are part of our American, North American uh you know folklore and world folk folklore now you know and they're just fascinating and and you know fun and visual and you know strange and uh yeah um yeah i love it I, I i love the subject i love uh talking about it and uh playing it up sometimes too so if you want me to tell you some ghost stories or uh some monster stories we can uh, we can go into
3: that here well, in a little bit we will get into that <laughs> here in the next two hours because i want my audience okay. to hear some great <laughs> stories that you have covered when it comes to the experiencers and you've talked to a number of people who have had strange experiences how do you go about telling whether or not they are telling the complete truth or they're feeding you some book of fiction Well,
6: um, I think a lot of that is, you know, before you, I guess you meet somebody, you know, and I've met a few people that have, like you said, a few people that have had experiences, but, you know, I, 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 I like to research a case, you know, really heavily and, and, and see if, uh, if there's anything unusual, you know, if, uh, somebody's uh, has mental issues or, has uh, had, uh, you know, running with the law or whatever—that's probably the first sort of thing that you would check to, to see if somebody's uh, got a good veracity. But uh, meeting somebody in person, yeah, you can kind of you can kind of tell if they're part of the you know the machinery that you know they're within the UFO cottage industry or not. You know, and it's sort of a it's sort of their niche that they've uh, filled within the the, the culture. You, you can tell somebody if somebody's a believer you know uh or if somebody's kind of gone to the other end and you know maybe has dropped off the delusional aspect of it you know but i don't judge people i try not to judge people everybody's you know on their own path and has their own experiences and who am i to say what other people have experienced you know um i i guess it's a subjective sort of thing you know each of us uh you know, we'll look at a witness and choose to believe somebody or not. You know, there are different people within the field of ufology that have groups of followers that others are, you know, just shaking their heads at, you know, like, why would somebody, you know, follow this person or, or, or whatever? But, uh, yeah, the, the culture does fill, you know, some needs for different people with uh, different backgrounds and ideas and viewpoints as to what the, uh, phenomena encompasses, uh, I don't necessarily have to verify somebody. I mean, I, I try to validate people, you know, I, I don't try to be a jerk, you know, or whatever, and, you know, call people liars or anything like that or call people names. But, uh, there's, there's so many people within the field now that, uh, experiencers can coalesce with other experiencers and they can, uh, you know, get support from, from one another if, uh, you know, if uh, they actually believe that they've they've had something happen to them, you know. So uh, anyway.
3: I find it interesting that you – That you say, you know, that you do have to take it with a grain of salt. Because I, I agree, and that's what we try and do on this show. We have to take everything with a grain of salt in regards to these stories. Because they do sound so unbelievable and so unknown. Do you think, then, when it comes to skepticism of what is happening in this field, that sometimes people take skepticism a little too far? Rather than maybe giving someone the benefit of the doubt
6: uh, yeah, but I do think things are getting better <laughs> now. what I mean by that is uh yes there traditionally throughout the uh, the field and in, in history of ufology there have, has been a class of uh uh not just skeptics you know people that you know required evidence you know to to greater degrees uh you know beyond what has been accepted by, you know, mainstream ecology. What you really had was, you know, a debunking class and and debunkers are different than skeptics. Not to say that skeptics aren't debunkers or debunkers aren't skeptics, but, you know, a debunker is somebody uh, engaging in, you know, rhetoric uh, in order and, and bringing up uh, alternative hypotheses, you know, of a ridiculous form perhaps or, or nature or, uh, you know, their purpose is to provide an alternative to, you know, whatever alternative, you know, it promotes extraterrestrial or, you know, anything unusual. Uh, And yeah, there, there are degrees of, of, of people within the skeptical community that, that does that. A lot of, ufology is done now online in online groups and uh, you know on on social media on Facebook and you know places like that and uh, you know there are skeptical groups and there are scientific groups and there are uh, you know your star seeds and your disclosurists and you know you have a lot of these different camps and, and some of them interact and interconnect with each other you know based upon different cases and group connections and whatnot, but uh, you do have your, uh, your your hardline skeptics, and there are some people, you know, out there that will troll. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, it's, a, it's a new form of debunker, you know, the, the troll debunker, and I'm sure a lot of people out there, you know, have, uh, put things on, on certain uh, groups, of, you know, they, they may have noticed, you know, these people come out. Uh, skepticism has its place it surely has its place. Uh, debunking? Uh, no, it, it, it doesn't have its place. It, you know, unless you're you're really trying to be absurd in order to demonstrate absurdity, but... Uh, um, no, I, and, and I think uh, it, if 90, 95% out of 100 of our cases are ISOs, identifiable flying objects, then... You know, we we definitely need to be more skeptical when we're dealing with all these cases. And we definitely need to recognize that we're dealing with different that, phenomena that have, uh, you know, different levels of evidence, uh, sufficiency, you know, sufficiency of evidence, uh, in order to support whatever you're contending. Um, uh, and skeptics, uh, a lot of these skeptics that are coming up now are coming at it from, uh, a scientific philosophical standpoint and they're in there and they're wanting more evidence. They're wanting better evidence. They're wanting arguments to make more sense. They're wanting research to be better, you know? So they're actually, you know, not talking about the trolling debunkers, but there's, there are skeptics out there that I think will probably help the field uh, because the field in a lot of ways has moved over to the believer side uh, and nobody can, nobody can really deny that, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, all the conferences and whatnot that are going on sort of, uh, uh, start with the, uh, the notion that, uh, it's aliens everywhere, you know? Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can get to the science a, a little bit more and hopefully skepticism can be embraced a little bit more instead of, you know, being made vilified, but yeah, debunking, uh, and on the other extreme, there are the believers that believe everything. They believe every piece of clickbait, UFO, fake footage that's put out there every day by the hundreds, you know. Uh, so two 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 extremes that, you know, I, I think if we can meet in the middle, we can probably, uh, you know, solve some of these problems out there.
3: I think you're the first person that has come on this show that says that skeptics are leaning towards the experience rather than the debunking style now. Do you think the debunkers are a combined force with a lot of these people who believe that there are disinformationalists out there creating a lot of these CGI movies to really mess with people in ufology?
6: Well, I mean, they're... They're certainly out there, uh, you know, to make some money. You know, that's uh, that, that's why they put out these YouTube videos because uh, they get millions of hits and a few thousand dollars here and there, and uh, you know, they get to demonstrate their uh, their technical video prowess. Um, are they disinformation agents? Uh, well, I'm, it's quite possible. Um, how would you prove that, <laughs> you know, uh, whenever people say stuff like that, you know, it's, uh, it's like, well, I heard, you know, it's, it, it's like through whispers, you know, like uh, a hidden source told me, uh, you know, so, and so I myself have been called a disinformation agent, but by, by, you know, a few people, I, I won't say any names, you know, a few people, uh, notable in the uh, community, uh, you know, because I might've had a different interpretation on a certain case or, uh, you know, might've said the wrong thing about the wrong person at the wrong time, you know, but I'm just, just a UFO junkie from Missouri. You know, I, uh, I'm sitting in my uh, basement and, you know, uh, with my soda next to me and talking to you on the radio, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not from a government think tank or a a secret establishment or anything like that. I'm, I'm just a, a regular schmo who uh, travels to weird places with his kids, you know, but, uh, it's interesting how, uh, you know, how, how these things, yeah, the path of aggressive age of the internet, you know, internet now, you know, it's, uh, so easy to call people names and, uh, try to shut down uh, discussions and arguments and unfriending and cutting people out of this group, that group or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of paradrama going on out there in the, uh, the virtual world within the community. And uh, it's sort of interesting. I, I think it is demonstrative of, uh, you know, some, some changes going on. There's definitely, uh, a lot of different camps that are, uh, you know, wanting to see uh ufology change as as we're, we move into the 21st century, you know, uh, different people with different uh, ideas as to what we should be doing. Um,
3: I think it's nice to have that clear mind, and that's what we try and do. Like like with this show, I've been offered to go on so many different networks that are just ridiculous or people trying to get an opinion, and especially in paranormal media, which I'll actually be speaking about at the Provincetown Paracon this weekend in Boston. Mm-hmm. I, You know, there's too much of this, and I'm sure you would agree, as we only got about two and a half minutes before we go to break here, but there's too much of this giving opinion as fact in this field. You know, we talk right. about science, we talk about real research, and yet, for me, I see a lot of opinion. I don't see a lot of fact. Do you notice that as well? Uh, I, I do notice that. And and
6: that's not to say that that's you know, true of every researcher out there. You know, there are good and there are bad, there are they're UFO celebrities and and uh, paranormal celebrities out there. That there are those that are into the sensational and the self promotion aspect to it, and there are those out there that are legitimately uh, looking to uh, you know try to solve some of the anomalous questions. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's an interesting field out there. I definitely think that uh, that. Uh, Hello? Yes.
3: No. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm we, here. we got okay, you. <laughs> okay. I, I lost myself for a
6: second there. Anyway, uh, what were you saying? Sorry.
3: Well, just in regards to, you know, there's a lot of people who are expressing their own opinion as scientific fact oh, rather yeah. than doing scientific research on it. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh,
6: whose opinion is, uh, you know, better than in others you know i mean there are, there are legitimate people out there that that do do the research and their and their opinion is definitely worthy you know of consideration uh but yes uh i would like to see us get back to you know the symposium papers you know with some meat behind them you know it might be a little a little more boring you know but uh i don't know i i find that aspect a little more interesting you know
3: Absolutely, and we only have just a, a, about a minute or less before we got to go to break all here. Right. So, Michael Huntington is our guest tonight. I highly suggest you check out his website, huntingtonstrangetravels.wordpress.com. I'm going to give that to you once again, huntingtonstrangetravels.wordpress.com. You can find all of his adventures that he has written about there. I highly suggest you do, because I think this is a pretty cool topic. And I really think that we actually found someone who has a pretty level head when it comes to research and what it's all about, and especially what it should be. That's the way it's supposed to go, isn't it? You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We're going to be right back, right after this break, with more UFO and ghost stories coming from Michael Huntington, our guest tonight. Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hills Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
1: From coast to coast to coast,
4: Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them.
2: Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at SpacedOutRadio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today.
7: It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At SpaceOutRadio.com, The Encounter, online, is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to SpaceOutRadio.com and encounter The Encounter.
8: For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle.
9: Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us from radio commercials to banners and social media have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
4: From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird right here at SpacedOutRadio.com.
0: Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high
2: definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas.
5: Every Saturday and Sunday night as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness. You can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. We're starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up. Enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there
2: don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live wherever you are the car the office the shower or even if you're traveling we're right here for you each spaced out radio show can be found on itunes TuneIn, and on our youtube channel spaced out radio show it's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows for more information just head over to our website spacedoutradio.com and tune in to us today
0: and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio, Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to SpacedOutRadio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R.
3: Welcome back to the second hour of Spaced Out Radio Tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride. Tomorrow night on the program, Jennifer Weigel is going to join us. We're going to get into everything from paranormal media all the way down to spirituality, paranormal ghost hunts, and what is going on in the strange place we call Earth. 9pm Pacific, midnight Eastern time is when we get going at spacedoutradio.com We want to welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial radio stations WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in noon in Georgia We're also live in New Orleans on the United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM and spread over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us as well. Thank you so much. We're live on KTLK, the free Jeff M. in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio and if you're listening in on Revolution Radio remember the R machine is a donation station. Financed by you, the valued listener, head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell is back on the injured reserve so birthday girl, Gail Shirk, Captain Shirk we call her around here, has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Subdermatoglyphic Subdermatoglyphic is the password for tonight. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, as we set the standard. passwords in the SOR Space Travelers Club. If you want to follow us on social media, be like John, be like Marcus, be like Eric, be like Deb and use the hashtag SpacedOutRadio if you want to connect with us live during the show at SpacedOutRadio if you want to follow me as well, give our Facebook page a like, SpacedOutRadio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn, download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStreamLive, Player.fm and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month. Check out our journalistic site, The Encounter, online. And if you go to Patreon.com, you can, for a dollar, become a patron of Spaced Out Radios. Tonight we are talking with Mr. Michael Huntington. Strange Travels where he goes around checking out all of these weird, strange stories from across the United States. His website, HuntingtonStrangeTravels.wordpress.com. Mike, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. It's So great. far, so good. So far, I tell you, it's it's been a lot of fun. That first hour flew by, and here we are in hour number two, kicking things off. Now... Right before the break, we were talking about experiencers and whether or not the skeptics are riding them a little too hard and researchers are riding a little too hard. Do you ever have those moments where you throw on the tinfoil hat and say, man, there is some good conspiracy stuff here? Or do you try and keep as level-headed as you were showing us in that first hour? Um. Well, I first off,
6: I... I, I do try to get a uh, you know a big picture of what's going on uh, you know in ufology so i I do uh, dip my uh feet well so- sometimes I fully immerse myself into the uh, you know some of the uh, the strange conspiracies uh, associated with uFOs and and other phenomena and i I also like uh, political conspiracies as well you know so yeah, I, I do run the full uh, paranoia gamut uh i don't believe every conspiracy but uh, that's not to say that some of those conspiracies are not true <laughs> uh i am certain that some of them are true uh you know some of the something happened at roswell uh something happened at the uh, kennedy assassination you know so there, there's a few of these you know, there's certainly mk ultra right uh so you know there there are conspiracies out there, and I, I'm fascinated by all of them. Uh, I think it's good, uh, especially if you're keeping track of you know the cultural uh, aspects of uh, of the field and the folklore aspects uh, that that you do uh, research uh, uh, some of the stranger aspects, and and perhaps even in some instances. Uh, you know, celebrate them. A lot lot of these small towns, uh, you know, have these these stories attached to them as part of their their local character and their local culture, you know, places like Point Pleasant and, you know, where the Mothman uh, was seen and where they have a festival, you know, places like Kelly, Kentucky, uh, where the Kelly Hopkinsville uh, encounter of 1955 occurred with, uh, you know, strange little pointy-eared creatures attacking a family at a farmhouse uh you know the, these communities do have these uh, stories attached to them and and i do uh like uh, following the folklore and preserving the folklore and supporting uh you know these these stories and and trying to record them and uh you know sharing with other people uh some, uh, uh, some stories are, are better than others, you know, but, uh, the conspiracy theories, uh, are, are, are part of the big picture. They're part of the, uh, the, the cultural landscape. Um, uh, do I believe, uh, all of them? No, because I think a lot of them are, you know, mutually exclusive. You know, you, you can't have Nazi secret bases and reptilians, you know, going on at the same time, you know, it's a, a, some of these conspiracies, uh, have to be, uh you know, not true just by uh, the fact that they can contradict others. Um but has has there been a lot of secret stuff uh going on uh with regards to UFOs uh within the government, within the uh intelligence community, within perhaps media? Uh, certainly. Uh now are these uh artifacts of the Cold War? Uh or is it uh you know, a secret cabal trying to uh uh prevent disclosure of uh, you know a reality that humanity is not ready for uh, again you know you have to look to the evidence and you have to look to the veracity of people making those claims and uh, the evidence is by no means foolproof for uh, for a lot of these conspiracies that's why they remain conspiracies uh, because they you know they may have a lot of facts but uh for one re- re- reason or another Possibly through you know some suppression in some instances, but uh, they have they haven't risen to uh, you know the level of, of acceptance. Um, I do believe in uh, in some theories. Uh, uh, things like chemtrails, uh, I don't know what to make of of that. There's compelling evidence. Uh, 9/11, uh, I don't necessarily you know agree with uh, truthers, uh, but it's it's interesting to look at, um, within UFOs, you know, there's, there's different, uh, you know, sort of, uh, cults and, and viewpoints within, within those, uh, uh within the experiencer experiencer group, you know, where they getting to that uh, level of contact that, uh, is very reminiscent of, of contactee movements, you know, of the fifties uh, and sixties. Uh, uh, I, I, I try to keep up on all of it. And, and I try to remain unbiased and I try to uh, research it and and look at it, uh, you know, from a, uh, sociological anthropomorphic uh, viewpoint, if it's, uh, if it's way out there and really doesn't, uh, you know, if it's highly strange and it doesn't have, uh, supporting evidence. Um, I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Conspiracies, some, some are better than others. Uh, I don't know. I have, uh, I have questions about all of them, but I, you know, I do, I do probably have opinions on on all the different, uh, you know, conspiracies.
3: Do you believe then that the governments of the world are hiding what they know about UFOs? Hmm. Well,
6: that is going to come down to a you know a personal viewpoint uh always you know and it, it it almost takes a religious sort of aspect to it you know do you believe do you have this uh belief system in this uh you know this story this not mythology in in that it didn't occur but in this uh you know this narrative of uh, of, of government cover up or world cover up or you know some sort of you know secret cabal worldwide uh, cover up to uh, deny people uh, the truth of uh, some sort of alien reality. Uh, I don't have any evidence to suggest that or see that. Uh, certainly, governments have been involved in 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 covering things up and you know manipulating uh, uh, certain aspects of the public. Uh, you know, like I said, for uh, for purposes during uh, you know for the Cold War or to hide, uh, weapons development or, you know, different technology, but, you know, this sort of accepted notion that, uh, that Roswell occurred, uh, that, uh, you know, we do have crash flying saucers. Uh, we may very well, uh, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh so, you know, you, you're sort of living in, in, in two different worlds actually many different worlds when you're immersed in uh, this subject, you know, there, there's, you know, the reality of, of what could have happened versus the unreality of, you know, what could have happened. And uh, I'm fascinated either way, <laughs> you know, uh, I've been to places like in Mississippi, where uh, uh, the, the famous uh, UFO, uh, Uh, The alien abduction occurred of uh, the uh, Hickson-Parker abduction in 1973 where the two fishermen were taken off the banks by these, you know, robotic sort of creatures with giant claws and pointed ears or, you know, pointed antenna. Uh, I've been to that location and, you know, I had to, it it was one of the fascinating, just visually impactful cases uh, when I was a kid, you know, just seeing it. And, uh, you know, the the images from it and, you know, remembering some of the documentaries at the time and the TV shows at the time that sensationalized, uh, you know, the case, Uh, you know, I went there and uh, uh, there's, there's the aspect of this could all be baloney. You know, these guys be have just been pulling somebody or, you know, they may have hallucinated it somehow or whatnot, but there's always that part with, with all these cases that, uh, you know, regardless of the evidence, unless something has, you know, been totally proven to be, a you know, a, a fake case, um, you know, they, they all carry with it that, that aspect of the mysterious that is compelling. you know, that, uh, you know, what if you are standing in a spot or, you know, looking at a a, a place where something from another world, uh, you know, supposedly uh, was, you know, right there. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're sort of pulled in different ways. Uh, there's the rational side, you know, to yourself that you want to, you know, you don't want to be fooled and you don't want to become part of some, you know, weird UFO cult. And then there's the other part of you that... Uh, you know, it's like, okay, uh, people are having some weird ex- stuff going on, you know, it's it'd be good to try to get close to, you know, that if possible, if not to discover the mysteries behind it, but to, you know, maybe try to experience it yourself, you know, to try to get out there, maybe just by being in some of these strange locations, you can expose yourself to, uh, you know, some of the... Unusual aspects, you know, some of the anomalous parts of the world that uh, keep it interesting and mysterious.
3: I got a question from Everett for you in the Space Out Radio chat room on our website. And he is asking: with little to no physical evidence available, how do we bring more true science into ufology?
6: That is a big question. <laughs> Uh, like okay, uh, pretty much what you're saying is, is how do we get science to accept ufology, and how do we get ufology to accept science? Because it's sort of the same thing. Uh, ufology is is by definition, you know, the the study of UFOs, and uh, it's not necessarily the identification of aliens, although that's sort of what it's become. But it's actually the study of UFOs, the phenomena, the people, the history, the movements, all, all the, the various aspects of it. And one aspect of it is how, you know, the philosophical aspect of the field, how do we uh, establish a methodology that provides evidence for claims? You know, what is the best, best techniques for determining, you know, evidentiary uh, uh procedures and and how do we present that to academia and and create a legitimacy of of the study of uh, of the ufo subject uh it is loaded down with a lot of you know flying saucers aliens and all that sort of stuff you know decades of uh you know cultural attachment the giggle factor and you know sci-fi movies and all that but uh I argue that, you know, ufology is a field that is multidisciplinary and, uh, uh, you know, there, there are cultural aspects, historical aspects, uh, philosophical aspects, uh, many different aspects, just as there would be in any subject that has had an impact upon culture and history, you know, women's studies, black studies, whatever, uh, UFOs undeniably as a subject as well as other paranormal uh subjects have had an impact on american culture and american history and politics and, and everything else you know look at our movies look at our tv shows you know look at uh, some of our podcasts out there <laughs> but uh yeah it's and, and the scientific part of it uh what you really need to have is you need to have a movement. Ufology has sort of become this PR camp now where, you know, the purpose is to persuade the public. And it's done through organizations or conferences or symposiums or TV shows, you know, or or podcasts, you know, in uh, online. And uh, the communication is one of a persuasive nature to try to get people to accept what's, you know, supposedly been established. But, uh, as I've argued before, you know, it's not established and, and, and groups think that it's established then you know, what's the point of field investigations anymore? You know, if if we're just waiting for disclosure, why, why have groups, well, you know, we just need to wait. Right. But, we can't because people are seeing things, and there's stuff out there, and we want to go out there and we want to, you know, find out what it is. And uh, I argue that there's there's science to be done, and the way to get science involved is to do science and to be doing the scientific method and to try to, uh, you know, have investigative techniques uh, that uh, are logical and rational in order to try to get evidence. Uh, we also need to uh, push forward these philosophical arguments uh, within uh, academia to put forward the notion that, uh, you know, ufology is a legitimate field of study because it does impact a lot of different things. And, you know, the, the anomalous aspect part of it uh, is, is definitely of interest to a lot of different fields of study, uh, at atmospheric uh, sciences, geological sciences. Um, might benefit from uh, uh, us doing studies of, uh, areas where there's, you know, a localized collection of, you know, anomalous phenomena. And we, and we do know, and data can help us locate some of these places. We do know that there are certain areas that are frequented by, you know, strange lights or, or orbs or, you know, balls or, or even other associated phenomena, you know? And, uh, if we can uh, get some equipment out there, maybe we can, uh, you know, do some science that we can prevent, that we can present to science, and that's, uh, you know, we need, we also need more peer review papers. We need uh, uh, people to, you know, within the field to pre- prevent present their uh, their evidence uh, outside of ufology, you know, into uh, other academic uh, realms, so that we can. Uh, fight that fight that needs to, needs to happen. Uh, ufology, if it's going to be accepted by science, it needs to uh, first uh, do science and behave that way and, uh, you know, focus on uh, seeing how we can uh, become more legitimate, more professional.
3: Do you believe, then, that the scientists who are looking into this are close to getting those mainstream scientists ready? for what is actually happening out there? Because I think of something that Stephen Hawking said recently, where he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that as humans, we should be careful what we send up into space for signals because we don't want to be invaded if they can get here. That also puts aliens in a very negative connotation as well. Do you believe something like that from somebody like Stephen Hawking? Or do you believe that maybe he's just being a little naive on the subject?
6: Well, uh, well, I guess you have to try to consider what his intent was by saying something like that. You know, is he putting forward, uh, you know, a, a mental exercise to get you to think, you know, which is a possibility to get you think about, uh, uh, you know, other life on other worlds and and how things would need to change here, you know, and how to get people thinking about, you know, other civilizations Uh, or if he's alluding to something, you know, that he knows some sort of secret that, that the rest of us don't know. And uh, there are people that, uh, that do believe that there have been little disclosures, you know, uh, culturally little things have been put out here and there. Uh, you know, over the decades to try to uh, prepare us, you know, to uh, to get us used to the idea of uh, weird creatures and other beings. Um, I mean, it's a possibility. I, I think you, you, you could probably talk to somebody like Robbie Graham, who was uh, written extensively on uh, on the, the history of the the military working with the media uh, in order to uh, sort of uh, manipulate uh, the public with regards to to the issue, uh, I, I think there is that aspect there, but uh, it, it it's not really one long string, you know. It, it's not really a continuous. Uh, uh, string of uh you know conspiracy and suppression because you know a lot of the a lot of the people at different times you know they're they're gone and dead and have no power anymore you know so uh i think you probably have you know maybe little disclosures here and there uh which you may or may not be able to trust and uh you know you, you have different players i i don't know if uh there's stephen hawking <laughs> knows anything i don't but i i guess He's probably one of the few people on the planet that probably would know right if uh if there's something out there that can threaten us uh and surely nobody can disagree with it, you know what he said if if there are aliens out there yeah they they might not be uh something that we want to talk to <laughs> you know send our send our phone number out there too.
3: I have a question coming in from Ron, and he has said, Mike, have you ever been harassed in any way from people or organizations because of what you investigate or share? Uh,
6: no, I, I mean, I, I go on trips and, you know, I take pictures and I put pictures, uh, you know, on blogs and I try to make them look nice and, and add stories to them, add little articles, you know, cause uh, that's, what I want to do. I'm a, I'm a travel writer. I, I will take a lot of these and probably put them into a book and, you know, maybe put it out there one day or, or try to get a job writing about some of these, uh, different things. But, uh, yeah, I, I just like visiting these different locations and, uh, I'm sorry. What was his question again? I'm sorry. I lost my not, thought.
3: Not a problem. I can repeat it. Just asking if you've ever been harassed in any way by any oh, harass- people or government organizations.
6: Uh, no, because yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not really anybody that's, uh, you know, been out there, you know, challenging, uh, you know, any big organizations or anything like that, uh, um, been active on a few different groups and, you know, on the radio occasionally, but, uh, I, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, agree with maybe some of my criticisms by, of, of some of the, you know, maybe some of the ways things are done, um, I haven't had any, any harassment by really anybody other than being called a disinformation agent a couple of times, but you know, it's just sort of online trolling and stuff, I guess.
3: You mentioned criticism. Do you think the paranormal field is worthy of the amount of criticism it gets? Um,
6: uh, well, it's just regular people for the most part, right, that, uh, that are interested in uh, uh, different different things that maybe they've experienced, different things that interest them. So it, it, it's hard to be hard on anybody, you know. I mean, it would be like being hard on myself, you know. I'm, I'm just a regular guy, too, you know, that, that's interested in the subject uh, and all these subjects. Uh, no, I, I think you can be hard on the people that are that are trying to be exploitative, maybe. Uh, and you can see those people if they're just out there trying to, you know, they're making stuff up and, you know, they're on that path of trying to, you know, get a show or something or sell something, you know. Uh, that That's probably people that you can be critical of. Um, experiencers, real believers, people, I, I don't think you can be critical of those people because, you know, unless they're faking it. But if they generally genuinely believe it, then that's what they're going to believe. And uh, you know, for for them, uh, you know, the evidence is not something that is necessary. You know, it's not about a sufficiency. It's 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 not really a necessary necessity for somebody who uh, who experiences uh, you know the unusual. Uh, I I think it does benefit if people are interested. in 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 gathering evidence, because I think everybody out there is, if they're active, if they're going out to like a a haunted house with equipment, or they're going out to a field with equipment, you know, to look for something, then those those are the people that should be interested in, you know, the okay, what are you doing? Uh, What equipment are you using? What What are you trying to find? What are you trying to get? You know, I think those people should be interested in in uh, criticisms of professionalism or, you know, proper methodology and making sure that bias doesn't, you know, creep into uh, any evidence gathering. Um, but that's something that you can encourage more so than, than being critical, you know, try to encourage people to, uh, you know, if they're, if they're going to investigate something, you know, to do, to do in a proper way and, and, and get the right equipment.
3: Let's learn about some of the stories that you have investigated. And going through your website, I have to say, this one would be phenomenal. And I I would like to get there to actually be a part of this. But you traveled down to Paget Switch near Irving, Alabama. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people who don't know what that railroad crossing is... Explain what it was like when you were there and what the hidden secret behind that is.
6: Well, uh, yeah, just a little bit uh, outside of uh, uh, Mobile, Alabama, is a little uh, road next to a gas station, uh, and it has a uh, railroad crossing, and surely something interesting happened there. Uh, uh, aside from what I'm about to tell you, supposedly, uh, a ghost story is connected with that area. Uh, and you know, the story is sort of found throughout the folklore of many towns, you know, the old story of a school bus full of children, you know, getting smashed at that intersection. Uh, there's really no evidence to suggest that it's true, but supposedly that, that train track was, uh, was haunted. And sometimes you can hear a school bus, you can hear children or whatever, but uh, we did not go there for that purpose. We went there um, and I got out at the gas station and I went to the other side of the track and I had my wife drive across so that I could take a picture from the correct angle of our car in the same position as uh, a Neary's yellow truck from the movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind which is where that location, uh, parts of it were in a studio, parts of it were actually uh, uh, a miniature, but also parts were at that actual actual spot uh, where you see the, the truck being driven and the uh, mailboxes shaking there. So it's, it's an iconic uh, uh, you know, film location, and there's uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind uh, was the film, and it was filmed there. Uh, around mobile and there's a lot of uh, other uh, uh, locations from that film around the area that uh, we visited uh, when we were down there traveling and able to get, uh, get our geek vibe on, <laughs> you know, close encounter style by, uh, by visiting a lot of these places. That, that was, that was a, that was a, a great place to to find. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies and definitely uh, was neat to, to, to
3: visit that spot. Did it take you back in the movie to be there because that is such like to me Close Encounters is still the number one movie. It's 40 years old but in my opinion it is still the number one alien storyline movie out there. Would you agree right. with that? Uh,
6: Yeah, it's definitely uh, yeah, it's in my top you know, one or two. <laughs> you know it goes back and forth between uh, you know some other films but uh yeah that definitely I I saw it when it came out and I saw it when it was re-released you know with the extra stuff in it and uh you know I've been watching it ever since uh what was really surreal is we went down there uh, uh fairhope alabama which is not too far where the uh the house with the little boy you know from the movie um uh the real house is there right and when we got when we got out to take some pictures uh you know where they where they filmed those scenes uh robbie got out of the car and was running around the house (laughs) so i was literally finding myself at the post encounter house chasing after a boy (laughs) you know uh, through the same area where she went chasing after her kid after he uh, was following the lights at night you know
3: so
6: that that was sort of surreal (laughs)
3: that had to be interesting here here you you, like talk about flashbacks on the movie you know what i'm saying yeah (laughs) right you know but in the end in that area do they still after 40 plus years still get a lot of tourists going up to that railroad track
6: um i'm not sure about the railroad track uh definitely uh uh the two houses that we visited we visited neri's house and uh when I pulled into that to take pictures of the you know, the, the house where the guy threw the plants through the window and built the mashed potato, you know, uh mountain, you know, that that house uh uh is in mobile and uh yeah, when we got out and I, I got out to take pictures, pretty much everybody in the neighborhood came outside. <laughs> Because I, I guess it is like protected property, you know, for their neighborhood. I, I, whoever lives there, I think probably, uh, you know, doesn't like a lot of tourists coming through. So they probably have a neighborhood watch around that house, you know, to protect the house from, you know, the movie Close Encounters, which, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, and as soon as we left, you know, as soon as I started get back in the car, everybody, you know, went back inside. <laughs> But there was, like, uh, you know, 15 people out there where I was taking pictures. And I made sure I didn't go up to the property, you know. But I guess they were making sure I wasn't as well.
3: (laughs) Well, you know what's funny is, like, I understand the neighborhood watch, you have to be protective because people, you know, not everybody's just there to take a picture. There are people who have to try and steal grass clippings or maybe a a tree or something. And I'm pretty sure they've probably had a few trees over the years thrown in the back window. You know, just people think, thinking it's funny. You know, but in the end, you move into a territory like that or an area like that with such a famous household. That is something you do have to kind of expect.
6: It, yeah. Yeah. I think it comes with it. And I think, yeah, everybody kind of recognizes that and they just kind of deal with it. it. It's interesting that, the, you know, their lives are sort of affected by a movie, you know, for, from decades ago. And it's, you know, in a daily way, perhaps, you know?
3: hmm Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on here. I, I want to find a good ghost story that you have to tell us here. I'm feeling some ghostly power coming in.
6: A good ghost story? Well, well I mean, I've, I've been to, uh, let's see, I've been to the Exorcist House. In St. Louis, which was the house that was, uh, uh, where the original exorcist, uh, uh supposedly occurred back in the forties. I've been to, uh, Bobby Mackey's, uh, haunted music hall, which is also called, the, the, the gates to hell. Uh, I've been to Lunt mansion in St. Louis. Uh, the, also one of the most haunted places, uh, McPike mansion in Alton, Illinois. Um, uh, a lot of different uh, haunted graveyards and uh, spooklight locations. Uh, I was at the Crescent Hotel recently. Uh, it's one of the most haunted hotels there. Um, hmm. I guess I could, I, I think there's a story uh, here in Cape, not too far from where I'm at. Uh, there, there's a road that goes just south of uh, Cape called Bloomfield Road. And uh, the road goes... I think all the way back to the maybe the late 1700s uh, when when the land originally was uh, South of Cape owned by I think the Spanish and then uh, later the French you know but it's an old road but uh, yeah this road just uh, just south of us here is uh, it it actually has like a headless horseman story <laughs> where uh, you know people would. Uh, you know, see, uh, and, and every town sort of has this, uh, you know, this lover's lane headless spook light, uh, character that uh, is either an Indian that's lost his head or a soldier or uh, somebody who's been killed. But, uh, yeah, we have a, we have a, uh, uh, headless horseman, uh, story out there as well as, uh, I think Mad Mary is, uh, is a cackling ghost that is also heard down along that road. Uh, teenagers, if they uh, pulled into a nearby Mount Tabor Park, which is uh, it's not there anymore, but uh, back back in the 60s and 70s, I guess if you would pull over and and uh, scream out loud or flash your lights three times, you could uh, you would hear Mad Mary cackle. You know, her maniacal laugh, or maybe see the, uh, you know, the spook light heading down uh, Bloomfield Road from the headless uh, horseman with his lantern looking for his uh, his lost head. Uh, there's a lot of those uh, sort of stories uh, around here. Uh, also along that road, uh, people have seen Confederate and uh, uh, Confederate armies as well as Union armies uh, as uh, this road was used to... Uh, during the Civil War, uh, a lot of different troops on, on both sides traveled along it, and supposedly the folklore uh, uh, contends that sometimes you can hear horses, you know, ac- across the uh, the farm fields uh, here uh, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, where I'm at.
3: Mm-hmm. Beauty of hauntings is that they are everywhere. Doesn't matter where you Indeed. go. You know, it's just a matter of whether or not the, the old folklore gets to the public to to create that sensationalism that a lot of ghost hunts tend to go on. Have you ever been to a place where, you know, you, you had a lot of hype going into it and then you got there and you were like, oh, that's it? We drove all <laughs> this way for that? Um.
6: Uh. Well, I, I haven't really had, the, you know, like I said, uh, any uh, ghostly experiences. Uh, I, I did get a weird, creepy vibe when we were at uh, Bobby Mackey's uh, Haunted World, or Haunted World, or certainly the Haunted World Music Hall, uh, which is, you know, one of the, supposedly one of the most haunted spots in the country. Um, you know, I'm not really let down. So to speak, because uh, I, I I still relish in the uh, you know the, the the folklore, the you know the the different tales of uh, you know ghosts. Like uh, recently at the Crescent, you know I I decided to take my boys and my wife inside of the Crescent, and I'd already been on the tour before, but uh, I showed them some of the locations of uh, you know where some of the ghosts supposedly lived. Uh, you know, there's there's a ghost of an Irish worker named. Mike, who uh, was building uh, the the Crescent back in, uh, I guess, 1885. And he fell while he was working uh, from the fourth floor down, uh, I think, through two different floors. And he uh, landed in what is now called Room 218. And uh, that, that room is uh, allegedly haunted by him. Uh, you know, he'll move stuff around. He'll put bags against the door. He'll especially harass, uh, I guess he was a ladies' man at one time, so he'll, he'll especially harass, you know, like females that are, that are in the room. But, uh, yeah, I, I took my family, and, and we went to that room uh, when we were there recently. We didn't really experience anything, but uh, it's still interesting to, uh, to hear the tales, you know, just associated with uh, this one room that uh, looks like any other room.
3: Let's get back to a UFO story here, because you got so many good ones around here. You went on a little trek to visit Robbie and the Rock from Mars. Tell us that story. Uh,
6: well, I, I, I think that's uh, one of my WordPress articles. That's, uh, I think, when we went to... Uh, Uh, I, I guess it was the space museum in Montana, Missouri. We, we, we visit a lot of these roadside attractions, these little museums.
3: You still there? Are you there? Did you drop your phone there for a second? Hello? Yeah, we got you.
6: Okay. I'm here. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. I guess we're back in. Um, no, we uh we visit a lot of uh you know little roadside attractions and whatnot and uh, uh I I think that is uh Robbie got to touch a piece of Mars maybe. Uh no, uh I think that was actually up at the uh the the St. Louis Science Center, I think where he got to touch a piece of Mars. Uh yeah, we visit a lot of these uh space and aviation museums and uh yeah Robbie got to uh, I think he's uh, touched uh, Maybe like three moon rocks, uh, three Mars rocks, and I think he's got to touch some uh, moon dust as well. So
3: it is very interesting when you look at that that piece of rock on Mars. Do you ever think, man? You know, do we really maybe have people there, or have we been there before? Do those questions cross your mind? Uh,
6: yeah. Uh. Do we have people there now i i i think
3: that's sort of a
6: hot discussion right now you know the the secret space program you know it, it, have we been fighting secret battles on other planets or you know whatever um i I don't really know how to answer that i i have studied uh, uh the Martian pyramids in sidonia pretty pretty extensively and uh it is interesting it is uh, it's definitely intriguing uh, it's definitely anomalous. Some of the, some of the features, um, but, you know, there, there, there's not really anything to suggest that, uh, you know, there, there's been any big civilizations on Mars. I, I know there are people that put out videos and pictures daily of, you know, the, they'll, they'll take, uh, some of the NASA feed, uh, photographs and they'll, uh, alter it a little bit or they'll, uh, change the contrast in order to, uh, find uh you know different sort of shapes or 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 whatever but uh i don't know i think a lot of that is you know sort of pareidolia sort of a, a you're sort of seeing it in your mind i i so do i entertain the possibility that maybe there was a civilization yeah i think that would be that would be awesome you know i i, I grew up reading uh you know Arthur C. Clarke and all all the good science fiction writers at the time, and uh, surely there will be Martians one day. But uh, I don't know if we've had any yet.
3: Before we go any further into the field of ufology and where you've visited, Deb has a question at hashtag SpacedOutRadio about the paranormal stories you and where you have visited. She is asking, what type of feeling do you get when you feel paranormal? Does your hair stand up? Do you get nauseous? What what do you go through? if anything?
6: Um, well, I, I'm not a, a, an empath or a, a clairvoyant uh, or, you know, or a psychic. Uh, you know, when I say I've been into like a weird spot and I, I get creeped out, it's, it's probably from, uh, you know, maybe doing a little bit too much research, you know, uh, hearing, you know, creepy stories. And if you're in the right, if you're in the actual spot where something happened under the right circumstances, you know, where it's dark and kind of weird and creepy, you can, you know, you get this wash of, uh, you know, weird, unnatural fear where, you know, you think, okay, maybe reality itself will, you know, kind of mess with you and maybe you'll see something or experience something, something at one of these places. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, certainly. Your, I guess your your hair stands on end. But uh, I, I think we can kind of make ourselves afraid at a lot of these these locations. Uh, I guess uh, if you want to know if I can detect anything or, or, you know, if I have some sort of intuitive feelings, uh, I I don't. Um, but I but I do get a thrill. I do get. I'm definitely you know kind of hyped up especially after, you know, if you travel for a few hours and you're at this kind of weird, interesting spot. I, you know, I'm sort of on a, I got a little bit of energy and I'm excited and, you know, looking forward to, you know, taking pictures and kind of looking at things and trying to figure out where, where different things happened.
3: Corrine is asking, what's the weirdest thing that has ever happened to you while going to any of these locations?
6: Well. um, I have had anomalies show up, uh, on photographs. Like, uh, like I, I, I said, uh, you know, I've been to, uh, the Marley woods a couple of times, you know, the, the, the secret location in South central Missouri, which is sort of like Missouri's Skinwalker ranch. You know, there's a, a certain area, uh, where a lot of, uh, anomalous activity had taken place throughout the late nineties and, and, I guess pretty much up till now. Uh, and it was investigated by Ted Phillips and, and some researchers a few years back. Uh, I've been to that place a few times and, and I've got some interesting things on photographs. uh, nothing that I can really identify, uh, or be conclusive about it. it it's not really going to be evidence of anything. Cause it could just easily, you know, be a digital artifact or an anomaly. Uh, also, at the Crescent Hotel, I did get a uh, an interesting, anomalous uh, photograph of something that looked like a figure. But, uh, again, that, that's sort of going to be subject, subjective. Um, the weirdest thing uh, physically that's ever happened to me was uh, I went into a, a haunted cemetery, a carpenter cemetery, just north of uh, Syston, Missouri, in, in Southeast Missouri, and uh, you know, I went in there with a full battery, you know, uh, school on my camera, ready to take uh, some good pictures. And I, had, you know, a battery drain almost instantaneous. You know, the, the minute I stepped into the cemetery, and apparently people have that phenomena happen to them. Uh, a paranormal researchers will attribute it to some. Being from uh, a, another plane, you know, drawing energy, electrical energy, I guess, from, you know, devices in order to manipulate or manifest or, you know, interact, uh, I guess, with you or, or, or whatever. But uh, that's the only thing that I, I've had. I haven't had any, you know, scratch marks or things slap me or, you know, any anything overt at, at any of these places, just some creepy feelings and a few weird things and photos.
3: When you get some strange things in photos, how do you analyze them? How do you go over to make sure that it isn't trickery from your camera or something along those lines?
6: Well, I, uh, yeah, I think it depends on what you have, I, how how convincing it is, you know, how, it, whether it's truly anomalous. If it looks like it's, you know, what you think it looks like. Uh, yeah, and then you show it to somebody else and, and they'll dismiss it or they'll critique it. And, but like I said, there's there's a lot of uh, UFO uh, uh, research and investigation going online as well as the other paranormal uh, fields. And there, there's a lot of groups out there that, uh, you know, certainly there's clickbait and there's a lot of fake stuff, but there's, there's also... Uh, uh, groups for you know Bigfoot photographs and UFO photographs and ghost photographs where uh, sometimes it's not fair. Sometimes people will pile on and, and not be fair with each other, but there's some good groups out there that will give you positive feedback or negative feedback, but they'll, they'll, they'll be rational about it. Uh, they'll tell you why it's an artifact uh, because most of the stuff that you're seeing photographic-wise that are anomalous are, are are artifacts, lens flares, you know, it, it, it's not, it, it's not a globe flying around if you're shooting into, it's not an orb, you know, if you're shooting directly into the sun, you know, you can figure out by the positions of different things, whether or not it's a lens flare, with it's light reflections, you know, off the inside of the lenses of your camera, a lot of that stuff is readily identifiable, um, uh, some stuff, you know, like it could be pareidolia, where you're just seeing things. Uh, you know, a lot of Bigfoot type stuff is, is that people will take pictures of trees and forests, and you know, and it, it's almost like finding the Bigfoot. You know, it's like a Where's Waldo sort of thing. Uh, some people will will see, and some people will not. So, uh, um, photographs ultimately are are soft evidence. You know, it, it's not really hard evidence. It, it May be true. It may be something anomalous, and maybe even something extraterrestrial. But uh, uh, you're only going to go so far, even, even if people are able to exclude, uh, you know, the mundane, digital, CGI. You know, all, all the uh, all the, the rational stuff. You know, you're still that, that's about as far as you can get, unless you can get a place where there's repeatability where you can photograph these weird things over and over and over and over. And if that's the case, then, you know, you can bring out other equipment and be more scientific and try to get it on different wavelengths and, you know, use better cameras and better equipment.
3: We got time to sneak in Craig's uh, question here. We only got about two minutes left before we go to break. Craig is asking, what would it take for you, Mike, to get conclusive evidence?
6: Inclusive evidence of <laughs> well, you of said what? you you, you
3: photographed you photographed anomalies that you're not sure of,
6: right? Well, I mean, um, yeah, all these all of, of these different fields, you know, you're you're ultimately left with, you know, sufficient proof would probably be like a piece of alien spacecraft or an alien or, you know some sort of physical effect that uh, at, at least points to, you know, some sort of anomalous uh, occurrence taking place, you know, that is worthy of investigation. investigation. Uh, ultimately, you're going to want, you know, as much physical evidence as possible. A, a Bigfoot body would be great to prove Bigfoot. A ghost in a bottle would be great to prove ghosts, you know, if you're looking for proof, if you're requiring evidence, if you are, uh, uh, trying to verify something the reality of something once and for all and uh know, yeah, i don't know if that'll ever happen with uh you know these you know the, these various phenomena that are all sort of interconnected uh but you know that's what you're that's what you're ultimately striving for uh now as far as ufos you know uh you know, some of those UFOs might be some sort of natural phenomena that we don't know about. You know, earthquakes or your uh, buoyant plasmas. Yeah, uh, science has discovered all kinds of interesting things going on in the atmosphere. You know, sprites and all those weird things, the high, the high atmosphere uh,
3: electronic phenomena, you know. So... Uh, On that note, I'm going to get you to hold on because we got a break coming in here on Spaced Out Radio. Our guest tonight, Michael Huntington. His website, HuntingtonStrangeTravels.wordpress.com, telling us all about the travels of investigating the strange and the weird that lie across our planet and the stories that have been told about that. During our break, make sure you check out spacedoutradio.com, where we got some really cool features for you to check out. We're going to be revamping a few things as well on the website coming up here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make it more interactive. We're looking to add more. And check out our Paracon as well, the Caribou Paracon, October 29th. Make that September 29th to October 1st. You can check that out as well for more information. We'll be right back right after this. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there, this is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
8: The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers, and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
9: Hi there. I'm Butch Wachowski, lead investigator with E4COP. On the final
6: Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries, so tune in at
9: spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days.
2: This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, to mediums and the large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, Relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com.
7: This is Eric Markham, news editor for the Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top quality paranormal stories. From alien encounters to the latest conspiracies, you won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The encounter online only at spacedoutradio.com.
4: Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that will leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com
2: become more intimate and interactive with spaced out radio join our space travelers club with your new membership for five dollars a month we'll provide you with special access to the website monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings along with monthly newsletter private interviews and more sign up today to be part of spaced out radio's experience
9: looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost look no further than spaced out radio spacedoutradio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website including social media. From commercial spots to banners. We have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today.
2: Don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today.
5: Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com.
0: And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program.
3: Welcome back to for the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us as we kick off a brand new week here on Spaced Out Radio. Tomorrow night on the program, we're getting deep into the spiritual and paranormal. Jennifer Weigel is going to join us for the first two hours. Corrine De DeWinter, I'm efforting to get her for hour number three As we talk spirituality right through the show, paranormal, how it all ties together, we might get into a little paranormal media as well, since that's what I will be speaking on this coming weekend in Provincetown, Massachusetts for the Provincetown Paracon. I'm looking forward to traveling. Uncle Jimbo James Tyson will be in the cabin Wednesday through Monday. I will be back the following Tuesday, the 16th to get back into the hot seat of the cabin. I can't wait. This is an exciting weekend for me coming up. I'm looking forward to it. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time. We get going tomorrow night at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in our terrestrial radio stations. W-Q-E-E 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia. Home of the Walking Dead. We're also live in New Orleans on 107.7 FM, the United Public Radio Network, and spread over 160 countries around the world. We're live on KTLK, the Fringe FM. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio, and if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Captain Gail Shirk filling in for an injured Bill Cardwell tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club when it comes to the password. Subdermatoglyphic. Subdermatoglyphic is your password. Make sure you read it wisely and use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the password is set each and every night. Right here on the Mighty SOR. Hey, if you're on social media right now, you can follow me on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to connect with me live during the show as well. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStreamLive, Player.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month. You can also read up on all of the paranormal news of the day on the Encounter Online, and if you head on over to Patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of Spaced Out Radios as well. For the final time tonight, we introduce Michael Huntington. Now, this guy—if you missed the first two hours. He takes his family all over America, trying to find the weird and the strange stories to say, well, basically, that he's been there. I love this story. The traveling must be interested. His wife may not like it, but it keeps Mike going, and she's supportive in his fascination with all of this. So, Mike, welcome back. Hello. Hello. We're going to mention your website once again. If you want to read his stories, huntingtonstrangetravels.wordpress.com. I'll repeat that once again, huntingtonstrangetravels.wordpress.com if you want to check it out. Now, Mike, I got a question from the audience just to start things off here, and this one comes from Bob. Bob is saying, Mike, have you ever had any personal stories or interviews on or off the record with police or security types about these strange events?
6: Um, yes, I've, uh, I, I've had conversations with people that, uh, that are reluctant, uh, you know, to come forward with their stories, uh, not, not really any big cases. I, well, maybe that Cape Girardeau UFO crash, you know, I, I've had people, uh, I, I am in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and, uh, allegedly in the, in the, April of 1941, you know, we had our own, uh, Roswell-like, uh, saucer crash here, uh, that predated Roswell, but, you know, sort of the same story template, you know, uh, a flying saucer crashes, uh, on a rural farmer's field, and, you know, there's some aliens, uh, that the government comes in, scoops up, and, uh, swears everybody to secrecy, but, uh, that, that's been a, a, a story that has, uh, been in uh, uh this community and and actually the uh, the region around here uh you know for for multiple decades and i i occasionally because uh, people know what i do uh what i'm interested in uh i i will get people that you know will we'll, first off they'll they'll you know tell of their own personal encounters you know uh a lot of different places around here uh They've been pretty active uh, at, at different periods. Uh, uh, you know, uh, back in 1973, southeast Missouri was uh, was a real big hot spot. You know, e- even people like Jalen Heineck came down here to, uh, you know, investigate the, uh, you know, the Piedmont sightings and uh, uh, the Grand Tower UFO sightings and, and, and all the different uh, uh, sightings uh, during that time period that became part of the uh, the brushy Creek uh, UFO scare as it was called. So, uh, you know, I'll get people that, you know, were there, uh, during that time period, like in Piedmont and, and they recounted, uh, you know, seeing something, uh, uh I, I will get people that will occasionally, uh, reference the, uh, the Cape Girardeau UFO crash, you know, like, uh, not really firsthand people, uh, well, although I did have a guy that claimed to have pieces, but, uh, Uh, He might have, you know, some issues, (laughs) but, uh, um, yeah, people are recounting different, you know, secondhand stories of, uh, or thirdhand stories of, of, of the crash, uh, that took place near here, allegedly. Uh, and I'm interested in it, uh, as part of the the folklore, but also interested to, uh, to hear more, uh, interested in, in seeing what the truth is behind it. You know, uh, did something strange uh, crash here? Was it experimental or be confusing plane crashes? You know, uh, it, 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 it's a mystery that uh, that perpetuates, and uh, I, I'm, it, it definitely intrigues me. And especially the, the you know the stories that uh, that are nearby me in uh, southern Illinois and southeastern Missouri. I definitely uh, you know because I can get in, in my car and be there you know within within the, you know an hour or two some
3: of these uh, interesting spots let's move on to one of these stories that you have visited you visited the Grand Tower in Illinois the power plant UFO sightings of 1973 before we get to your experience if you could just break down what that story was all about
6: okay well as I said, you know, 1973, uh, across the United States, and especially in, in certain parts of M- Missouri in this area, uh, you know, we had uh, what's what's called a flap or a wave, uh, which is a large number of, of sightings, you know, uh, by hundreds of people in some instances uh, in, in Piedmont in 1973, uh, hundreds of people at, you know, the local drive-in theater there, you know, saw a ufo and uh, uh part of that uh, uh that whole uh, tapestry of, of stories that occurred uh, in 1973 was uh, just across the river uh, i'm i'm on cape Girardeau, down the boot Hill, right right on the mississippi river illinois is just uh, east of uh, of me here and uh I, East of here, uh, just a little bit north in the Illinois town of, of Grand Tower, which is also on the, uh, the river, uh, there was an interesting sighting in 1973 that, that took place, uh, during this. And it took place, uh, actually on two nights, uh, March 22nd and later it was a repeat performance uh April 16th of 1973. And you had, uh, the the power plant over there which is the central illinois uh public service also known as the c i p s uh power plant uh i think they convert coal and and uh you know acts as a substation and they have the you know, the big towers and and all that uh you know the the fields of all the uh the the different power equipment and the generators and whatnot and on this uh On this night, uh, uh, a couple of the workers, actually, it was uh, Oscar Wills, was the first to notice a a large object in the sky above the power plant uh, that was a flying saucer, but it was also kind of like a donut. You know, it was more like a wedding ring. It had uh, an opening in the center, and uh, it was uh, hovering and, I guess, moved into position uh, close to the, uh, the 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 power plant, uh, uh, the witnesses are actually in the town, which is just a little bit uh, uh, south of the plant. But you know, they made their way to the plant. Uh, one worker called the other uh, worker uh, Willis Hughes, who was, I, I guess, uh, one of the plant managers. And so there are multiple witnesses uh, of of this object uh, over this power plant on these these different nights, uh, all while the entire region was uh, experiencing uh, all these different craft. And I, I guess on one of these occasions, uh, you know, we're not sure if it's the first or the second or maybe both, but supposedly military jets chased this object away from the power plant. You know, uh, people have the notion that the the, the craft was somehow maybe siphoning energy off from the power plant, you know, and you had to, to, to chase it off. But uh you know that's an interesting story that uh, is sort of unexplored, but yeah, you know, definitely part of this uh, you know this large wave that I think uh, is deserving of uh, you know a little more historical uh, significance. That, now, Grand Tower is a plethora hotspot of paranormal activity. Uh, it's not not just UFOs. That 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 town. Uh, you know has ghost stories that town has Bigfoot encounters, uh weird portals, haunted houses, uh strange sounds, you know, uh uh weird uh occurrences on the river, you know, there's sort of like vortexes and and places where electronic equipment cut out. Uh there's also a feature in the middle of the river called the uh the Tower Rock, which is uh you know, an ancient uh, native uh, site that uh, was uh, off limits. And uh, it may have one time even, uh, you know, held a cross at the top of it at the time of the conquistadors. Uh, uh, and, and the town of Grand Tower, aside from all this other strange stuff, it was, you know, the the history is filled with... Uh, you know, Indian massacre tales and uh, pirates. It was a pirate camp at one time where river uh, uh, traffic was attacked. Uh, you know, a lot of the ghost stories extend out of that. Uh, you know, the Murfreesboro Mud Monster, which is a type of Bigfoot, uh, was, was seen and supposedly left tracks in this little town. So, uh, yeah, when, the, when I'm interested in an old story, uh in in this story it, it's interesting but you know it's not it, it it's it's okay it's a good story it's good to know you know it's not going to prove anything or or dissuade anybody from their viewpoints but uh you know this small town on the mississippi which is uh, frequented by uh, floods you know it's been called the unluckiest town in america by time magazine at one time because of you know the flooding uh, little towns like this and, and their folklore are going to disappear as these towns disappear. So, uh, you know, I like traveling, especially to these little towns if they have a lot of, you know, weird occurrences uh, going on in one location. I like to uh, go in there and uh, and record those. And the, the grand tower UFO, uh, uh, case is one of those. And, uh, I can't go over there in Southern Illinois and drive by that tower without, or drive by a uh, grand tower, uh, you know, past the power plant without, uh, you know, picturing a, a giant uh, flying saucer flying fire, uh, flying above it, you know, sucking up uh, energy.
3: There is always this great mystery through the 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s about these UFOs flying over nuclear power plants and flying over nuclear missile silos and shutting them down. It, it's a weird phenomena. In your estimation, have you ever looked into that part one and part two of that question? Would be what? What do you think the purpose of that would be?
6: Um. Well, I, I've I've read probably just as much as anybody else. I, I by no means you know like uh, you know Leslie Keene or anybody like that. You know, an expert on the uh, you know the. the the minutiae details of, you know, a lot of these uh, governmental military cases, uh, they are intriguing. They're definitely, uh, uh, intriguing. And I, and I think evidence does suggest that there, you know, there was something that occurred at least at a few of these bases that, uh, you know, affected the electromagnetics of, you know, the equipment there. <laughs> One way that's the best neutral way that you can, that you can say it. Now, uh, Uh, If it's extraterrestrial, uh, people suggest that it's, uh, you know, the E.T. is demonstrating that, uh, hey, we can do this and we don't like your nuclear power, you know, used in this sort of way, you know, uh, so we can shut you down and we can demonstrate that to you. Uh, Or it could be, you know, uh, secret stuff that we're testing uh, or have tested or maybe our, you know, enemy countries at, uh, you know, during the Cold War, maybe they... uh, they tested stuff. Surely if we have uh, some sort of stealth technology, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, secret uh, platform craft that can uh, hover and turn invisible or remain stealthy, which is a distinct possibility, uh, surely we would use it, to you know, to test the, uh, you know, various our military as well as uh, other countries' militaries. Uh, but we also may be dealing uh, in some cases with, you know, some sort of natural phenomena. Maybe, uh, maybe there's some sort of electromagnetic uh, plasmic phenomena in certain areas that can uh, interact with uh, electronic equipment and cause them, you know, maybe what officers in some of these cases were seeing was uh, some sort of earth light that uh, is, uh, Putting out uh, electromagnetic fields that, that are strong enough to affect equipment. Um, supposedly, all that stuff shield is shielded, though, and and how you would you know shut that stuff down. That's uh, it, it's of concern if something like that did happen. It, it is certainly a concern <laughs> uh, security wise. Uh, but yeah, I, I something. Uh, uh, definitely may have happened in, in a couple of those instances i couldn't tell you uh you know which one uh it is uh i, I think mine not probably uh definitely something occurred and, and there's a number of military you know iran Tehran. Uh, uh there was probably definitely something anomalous there probably definitely i don't know what that means but uh, something anomalous uh, uh occurred there uh that
3: uh, that was unexplainable, so. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move on to another one here, because you also visited the Cairo JC's flying sauc- saucer stunt of 1950. Now, there's a lot of people I haven't even heard of this. I would love for you to break this one down.
6: Okay, well, uh, 1950, uh, Cairo, Illinois. Uh, Similar to Grand Tower, uh, not in that uh, uh, peculiar things happening. Although, just like any other town, that you know they have their they have their haunted houses and their you know their weird things going on. But Cairo is uh, uh, located on the very bottom part of uh, Illinois, where the Ohio River and the uh, Mississippi River meets. So, as you can imagine, uh, it's uh, been subject to a lot of flooding over the over the different decades. Uh, but at one time, it was uh, pretty prosperous uh, before it suffered a lot of you know damage and uh, uh, businesses leaving. It's sort of a ghost town now. But in the fifties, it was you know a, a river port at, 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 at two rivers meeting, and it was pretty prosperous prosperous back uh, back then, you know. Uh, and it was pretty Americana, you know. Everybody. Uh, was sort of that stereotypical uh, 1950s uh, culture where, you know, mom stayed home and and dad went bowling. And, you know, you you read about the the Rooskies in the newspaper and uh, the kids uh, checked out the Buck Rogers serials and uh, read uh, comic books with aliens and such on them. Uh, now, Now, there was a lot of stuff going on in 1950, just not too far before... The events here in this town occurred, uh, the, the famous McMinnville uh, uh, case happened uh, up there in the Oregon. Uh, that was all over the, the the newspapers at the time. But I wish I could give you a sighting for this Cairo incident, in, incident but what it was, it, it was actually a hoax, and uh, a hoax in the sense that somebody built a fake flying saucer that you know, they put on the, uh, uh, in front of the uh, the local post office and they put people in military uniforms uh, standing there next to it and uh, sort of waited, <laughs> you know, as the uh, people driving through the town, word spread and people sort of wondering, okay, is that a flying saucer? You know, what are all these military guys?
7: Uh,
6: but it, it proved to be a, a, a not a prank, but a promotional gimmick by the local jCs to promote their uh, their their i guess a minstrel show that they were having some sort of fundraiser event but uh, it, it went all throughout the region you know it was in, in, in all the papers, and the military actually had to respond to it uh, uh, back then so uh, a little a little story that uh, wasn't really documented. Uh, and, uh, again, I like to, you know, mind these little stories because I, there, there's actually a couple of different places that have that same story, you know, where there's other J.C. groups and other towns uh, during that same time period sort of did this uh, the same thing. And these things are also part of ufology, even the hoaxes, even the, the fake stuff and the, the campy stuff. Uh, they should be judged correctly as such, but they're they're part of the story because hoaxes and fakes and uh, things that have moved uh, the culture and society are, are all part of uh, of this, you know, this perpetuated that idea within the region of, you know, military covering stuff up and this is 1950, you know, so it's it, uh, events like this sort of reinforce that idea uh, that, you know, maybe the government's covering stuff up and it went back even back as far back as then, which yeah, I, I find kind of, kind of intriguing, but I think these things also perpetuated those, those, those notions, you know, these, these little, uh, you know, these little community, uh, ideas of, uh, alien encounters. That's, that's Kairos. Uh, but incidentally, uh, some people did report actual UFOs, uh, not too far after i think uh just a few weeks after through and you can go back and you can look through uh reported cases so like nightcap and some of the other groups back then uh a few weeks later i believe uh somebody saw the real thing now i don't know if anybody believed them after you know the stunt that was pulled but uh it's an interesting interesting little story and uh, yeah, a lot of people in, uh, in Cairo didn't even know about it, uh, and which uh, I, I think is good because Cairo definitely uh, needs to embrace its history and, uh, you know, make sure these things don't get lost.
3: Let's move on to another one here. Joplin and Seneth Spooklights. What the hell is this?
6: Well, uh... Those are two different places. Uh, Joplin, Missouri is located all the way in the other side of uh, Missouri from where I'm at. It's it's down there in the southwestern portion of the state, uh, bordering uh, uh, Oklahoma and uh, I think Kansas is right there and and Arkansas is not too far. But, yeah, it's a a little area over there, pretty much just opposite where I'm at. Uh, Senneth is a small town located in the southern part of the boot hill, which is that little notch in the bottom of Missouri, right down there in the, the bottom left-hand corner is, it's uh, actually a series of uh, three towns. And in the middle of these three towns, uh, and and Cornersville and Arbid is a road. And there's also a road in, in, in Joplin, which actually goes into Oklahoma and throughout many towns, uh, uh, in America and uh, presumably in other places, uh, these are spook light roads. And what they are is, uh, and I mentioned the spook light earlier, you know, the, the, the headless horseman with the lantern sort of type thing. Uh, Joplin and uh, Senate uh, both have east-west spook light roads. And people claim to see glowing orbs, you know, maybe about the size of baseballs or, or basketballs going up and down this, these roads. And uh, when they come in proximity uh, to uh, automobiles, you know, they the, the automobiles tend to be affected. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I uh, did a study of uh, using a, a map locators and Google Maps, and, and I I went out to Senate, actually, and uh, did some field stuff out there uh, to try to see, you know, what the angles were and all that and and where the lights are are best seen. And um, Joplin and Senate actually have kind of the same layout, which uh, uh, I I think the article that you're referring to there, uh, that's what I alluded to, that, you know, the maps almost kind of look identical, which, uh, you know, might lead to postulization that uh, maybe it's some sort of optical circumstance or maybe there's something uh, uh, actually physical there that is being seen and uh, uh, you know it's localized and then maybe we should make a determination of there's anything in the area that uh, uh, you know that that can create these uh, create these orbs Uh, the stories are pretty much the same in, in these locations, you know, the railroad worker, uh, uh accidentally gets killed and he's looking for his head and then people will see his lantern, you know, as, as he's looking, uh, or, you know, a, a native, uh, woman was beheaded by her tribe for, you know, a, an illicit affair with a white man or, you know, something like that. It's usually some sort of, uh, Indian tale, you know, forbidden love or, or whatever. A lot of these stories, uh, the same sort of, uh, mirroring. Uh, and, it, I, you know, you can't dismiss the spiritual aspect to it. You know, it may very well, uh, have some sort of metaphysical component to it, but, uh, people are seeing real things in the, in the real world, you know, and, uh, those, those are two places where, uh, people are seeing the same sort of spook light phenomena, which, uh, is worthy of looking at, and and worthy of uh, considering, uh, you know what
3: they could be. What about some of these smaller towns? Okay, we like. I'm thinking the Enfield Horror, or you've gone a couple of times to Kelly Hopkinsville in Kentucky for the Museum of Artifacts. Do you like going to these smaller towns to find their legends and lore?
6: Um, yeah, I do. Uh, now with uh, when you're traveling with the uh, you know, two kids, uh, you know, five and – or four and six. I guess they're, they're turning five and seven now. But, uh, you know, we've been traveling for a few years. We we have to uh, drive in little short spurts, you know. I think four and a half hours is probably our max before we start going crazy, you know, <laughs> getting on each other nerves and yelling at each other. And uh, So uh, when I take a trip, I, I like to plan stuff out, you know, Far ahead of time, uh, so that we can hit things along a, along a route without making it too difficult. We'll take a you know a route back or a route to somewhere, museum or an event or you know hotel or, or whatever, uh, and we'll we'll try to hit what we can along along these different places. But uh, I usually have planned out down in detail, uh, where I'm going, what I'm doing, what time I'm going to be there, uh, you know, uh, where somebody stood or where a craft, uh, supposedly, uh, you know, landed or where an alien was. I, 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 usually have researched that and geo-positioned that down, you know, to precise, uh, GPS location, so uh, I, I know where I'm going and, and, and what I'm what I'm seeing. So we haven't really taken a trip and just see, try to find the weird stuff along the way. That might be an interesting thing to do. Because uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, you have you have to kind of research it beforehand. Otherwise, some of these places are way out there. You're you're really you know you can really get lost. If if you're you know you're going down the wrong road or if you're hitting the wrong spot, it sort of sort of defeats the purpose not to be uh, planned out. And yeah, I love the small towns uh, even more so because you know you don't have other people there and and you can be with the sites usually uh, a little more intimately
3: got a question from Everett he is asking Michael have you ever traveled to Watseca Illinois and investigated the Watseca lights
6: uh no I, I think I have that on a list though uh, where is that is that like uh, I don't know if he gave you any position
3: there uh, there
6: there are a lot of haunted houses and there are a lot of Spook lights and mystery roads and, uh, you know, strange creatures, uh, especially in southern Illinois. And uh, like I said, I I, I try to uh, knock these out uh, as we as we go along and, and figure out the best route. I, I haven't been to there, but uh, I certainly would be interested in
3: that. Uh, in, it probably hasn't
6: made it in to that. We haven't taken that route that goes nearby, you know, because I, I, I have bolts and boards and GPS stuff where uh, that's where a lot of the, the traveling stuff uh, started probably about four years ago. Uh, I just started uh, doing heavy research into uh, logging all of these, uh, you know, different things, famous Bigfoot, famous UFO. You know, I, I got hundreds of cases from different paranormal things and started putting pins into maps you know and started figuring out uh, routes uh, to, to visit different things and but we may make it up there uh, I, I think we do have other spook lights and other ghost light uh, places uh, to see before we make it up there though.
3: ron has a couple of questions for you have you ever checked out any canadian sites of interest that you'd like to investigate
6: uh certainly actually i would uh you know love to go up and uh visit the uh falcon lake the michelle exciting uh, which I, I i think the anniversary is coming up here soon I, I i think i do have a trip planned one of these days for like halifax nova scotia area up there because there's a lot of things just in one area i think you got the Oak Island pit up there, that'd be neat mm-hmm. to see. Uh, Shag Harbor UFO crash uh, was up there. I think you got, uh, you know, some interesting archaeological uh, stuff going on up there. Uh, and, uh, you know, you got some uh, TV shows and movies, I think, were were filmed up there. Uh, I'm a big Trailer Park Boys fan, so
3: uh, oh, I'd love to go to that.
6: Halifax and uh <laughs> i'd love to go to one of the trailer parks, you know and just take a picture you know from the you know of, of one of those one of those places up there but yeah i i i do visit yeah uh film locations if i if i can we're going to be going to chicago uh here for a a, a a tour in june i guess about six weeks now and uh we're gonna we're gonna visit the ufo stuff and uh You know, some haunted places up there. There's plenty of that stuff up in Chicago. But we're also going to visit, uh, you know, some movie places, uh, movie uh, film locations up there. You know, we're going to do the Blues Brothers and Ferris Bueller and Home Alone and some of the other uh, movie locations. We like to uh, throw those in there as well.
3: Very nice. Very nice indeed. Ron has another question for you. Have you ever thought about or considered investigating the Denver airport and everything that goes along with that? (laughs)
6: Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I'd have to fly out to Denver to do that. Right. Uh, or I guess I could drive, but that's kind of a long way. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's really there anymore. I actually had a friend, uh, recently, uh, uh, named Jaime, who uh, was heading back to Los Angeles, I think he has stopped off at the Denver airport to uh for a layover and I had him uh look around to see what was there but I, I I think they might have taken down the weird creepy mural uh, but surely there's you know the Freemason stuff is still there, and the weird Baphomet horse and you know some of the other other strange things that are going on at that place um uh, uh, is it like you know some Illuminati uh, you know secret base uh, or you know some underground FEMA camper or whatever? Uh, I, I think there's underground stuff there. You know what's what's really going on? I I couldn't tell you. It, it's certainly interesting. All the uh, all the stuff that has sprung up uh, around it, and uh, yeah, I would I would love to go to the uh, Denver airport, just take a look around there and see what weird stuff I can take pictures of.
3: Yeah, I think it'd be very interesting as well. Uh, that's you know, you hate to say that. Oh, I want to go to Denver just for an airport, but when you're into the weird <laughs> and creepy like we are, it's definitely something that we want to do. Ron gets the natural hat trick here on the questions. He is saying, "What is the scariest investigation that you have covered or looked into?" And would you ever, if you're going on, I know you're not a ghost hunter or anything along those lines, but do you believe that protection should be used spiritually if you're going into a ghost hunting situation or into a haunted location?
6: Um, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, you know, I guess it can't hurt, you know. Um, if I was doing a ghost hunt, though, I would probably do things, you know, a lot different than what you see you know, on sensational television where, first off, you know, why why are the lights off, you know? <laughs> you know, who does science with all the lights off, right? I mean, you know, turn the lights off and you get other equipment in there and, uh, you know, stop using all the infra green stuff so much. I, I, I would try to uh, figure out, uh, you know, what I can measure, what I can see or whatever. Uh, now, as far as, like, spiritual protection, which is what I think uh, – what he's talking about uh it doesn't hurt i mean you know if that's if that's your belief system uh it surely can't hurt my my i do have family members and my my brother is more inclined towards the spiritual than i am so you know he believes in proper meditation and 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 you know Having amulets and you know, sort of almost like spells, you know, to uh, uh, dissuade any you know evil presence or evil spirit from uh, interacting or causing you know negative effect or whatever. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really found a need or a use for that. You know, like I said, I'm not really a ghost hunter.
7: Uh,
6: but yeah, I, I don't see how that 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 wouldn't be a, a benefit.
3: Where's the road trip you haven't taken yet that you want to go? What's, what's say, the top three on your list?
6: Well, uh, we've been doing this just for a couple of years now, you know, and uh, we've ratcheted it up and uh, kind of taken a more pro- professional stance, you know, because people are interested in what, what we're doing, and, you know, we're, we're trying to do the uh, – the, the travel stuff, you know, like I said, eventually we'll, we'll probably put out, you know, some books or whatever, but, uh, um, no, we've been doing this for a couple of years, but I, I, I have trips probably planned out for the next 10 years. Uh, and there's a lot of places that we still haven't been to that uh, I would definitely love to go to. But I, I, I think as we get to the, uh, you know, the, the, the really big, good, interesting cases in the historic places, you know, I want to uh, ratchet it up a little bit and kind of do it right, you know. Uh, I definitely would like to go uh, to New Hampshire and follow the the Barney and Betty Hill route, you know, the, uh, the abduction. Uh, I would definitely love to follow that route. We, we have followed uh, uh, a couple of different routes uh, for famous UFO uh, cases, the Stanford-Kentucky abduction and uh, the Southern Illinois Triangle, you know, uh, we, we followed a couple of those routes, but I would love to get like in a, you know, a 1957 Chevy and, uh, hit the road and go down, <laughs> drive, the, drive the same route that they did, you know, I think that'd be pretty cool. I think, uh, we definitely need to make it out there to the uh, Pacific Northwest. You know, I, I, I want to see where Maury Island took place and, Vancouver Island, and you know, see where uh, you know some of those Bigfoot are, and uh, maybe even get into an airplane and fly over Mount Rainier and uh, fly over the area where uh, Kenneth Arnold uh, had his first uh, flying saucer encounter. Um, yeah, I think we probably do more stuff like that in the next few years. Though I think we're we're gonna um, go down to Texas. Uh, the Cash Landrum case from uh, from the early 80s is, is, is one of my favorites, and I, I definitely want to uh, visit that location just outside of Houston. And uh, we'll probably head down to Florida here in the next few years. Uh, as uh, NASA starts launching some of these rockets into space, uh, I, I'd like to get my boys to see some of those. Uh, Coming up, aside from the uh, the Chicago trip, uh, the most interesting thing we have going on is the uh, the, the Kelly, Hopkinsville encounter, which took place in 1955. I mentioned it earlier. You know the, the famous Goblin case. Uh, you know these weird creatures attacked this farmhouse, and uh, people shot back at them. Uh, and all this occurred after a UFO sighting. Um, the anniversary of that event is August 21st, and it uh, coincides with the August 21st solar eclipse that is going to be going across the United States on the anniversary of this famous alien encounter. And uh, also coincidentally, uh, the, the Kelly location where the actual famous UFO incident took place is the epicenter of longest duration. So the longest, darkest center point of the entirety of the eclipse is going to be right over a famous uh, uh, UFO spot. So uh, that's going to be a kind of a strange four-day event. There's probably going to be a lot of UFO people down there and people interested in uh, getting the best spot for the for the eclipse. Uh, you know, it's one of those opportunities you can't pass up and uh you know, we've been finding that as we've been traveling just these past couple of years, there's a lot of interesting uh, opportunities. You know, uh, visiting all these strange places. A lot of these places have festivals, and uh, and uh, you get to see uh, personalities and people that have written books and uh, uh, people that are experts on on these different things uh, come and and talk, and you get to meet with a lot of these people at some of these uh, actual spots. So. Well, it is us, uh, you know, visiting uh, places out in the forest where, you know, we're also, uh, you know, on the ground with some uh, UFO experts at some of these uh, interesting places or, you know, cryptozoologists. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. That, that should probably uh, be the biggest one that we're looking forward to here. I think uh, we'll, take, we'll take a lot of pictures and maybe some video. I think we might do some kind of video project out of that one.
3: Greg wants to know what got this passion started for you to travel to all these places.
6: Well, um, you know, when you get old, you start having these bucket lists of things that you want to do, and, and when you're old, and you have young kids. You know, you want to kind of give them maybe the fun life you didn't have, or what? My childhood was fine. You know, nothing wrong with that. But man, I would have loved to. Have gone to some of these cool spots you know when I was a kid because I was really interested in it my kids are interested in it too um so uh I guess probably about 10 years ago me and my wife we did a lot of hiking so you know we spent a lot of time going to, to parks and hiking and all that and then when we had a family you know we found ourselves uh diverted to more traditional vacation spots and museums and all that and after I did my tagging project of all the different paranormal places, you know, we, we started, uh, planning the stuff out. So, uh, sort of accidental, sort of a, on purpose, uh, just all happening recently, you know, but, uh, it's something I definitely, yeah, I definitely like to travel and I definitely like interesting places. And I think if you're going to travel, they should be to interesting places.
3: You also have a passion for Sasquatch stories and cryptids as well. You've mentioned the Mothman earlier on. What what makes you so fascinated about the cryptids hiding in the forest?
6: Well, uh, all of these uh, uh, paranormal cultures are kind of interconnected. You know, um, you'll you'll have. UFO stories where Bigfoot will show up or, or vice versa. So they're, they're all sort of interconnected. And a lot of the, the people that are active in these fields are, are active in the other fields. Uh, Bigfoot came right along with, uh, you know, my interest in all you know, the other weird stuff. Uh, now there's a, a lot of cryptid activity around me, uh, especially famous stuff that was documented. Uh, that I have access to, and I, and I'm intrigued by uh, namely because uh, Lauren Coleman, who is you know the father of cryptozoology, uh, he's from southern Illinois, so all of his early cases uh, cryptic cases were were investigated in this area. so I get to retread some of his uh, some of his ground, you know, and some of these uh, iconic cases. Uh, local folklore and monsters and whatnot. Same thing with the UFOs, uh, all throughout Southern Missouri. Uh, a, a lot of these were investigated by Ted Phillips, a lot of these, uh, UFO cases. And I'm, I'm following in, you know, his footsteps, a lot of these famous cases, cause I, I, I want to see him and I want to promote him and I want to educate people about, you know, some of these lesser known cases that, that are part of the lore. um, And and here where I'm at in Cape Girardeau, you know, we we have, you know, like I said, our crash story, but we also have uh, here at our university, uh, Southeast Missouri State University here in Cape Girardeau was uh, really one of the first universities to uh, provide for a field investigation of UFOs, a scientific field investigation that their astronomy and physics department undertook in the 70s as part of a project called Project Identification, and Harley Rutledge was uh, uh, the head of the astronomy department here, and he engaged in that, I think, for uh, five or six years in the, in the 70s, uh, documenting some of the stuff that was that was seen in the area around here. So, yeah, I'm, just being a, here and where I'm at and around it, you know, I'm, I'm immersed into the UFO stuff and, and definitely into the cryptid stuff because, you know... Or, over across the river from where I'm at is, is Lauren Coleman's, uh, you know, backyard growing up. So there's a lot of great cases to rediscover and, and explore.
3: Have you looked into Sasquatch and what is your opinion on what it is?
6: Well, um, have I seen a Sasquatch? Uh, I don't know. I, when I was a kid, uh, um, I would stay at my grandfather's farm in Hillsboro, Missouri, which is a rural Missouri area, uh, wooded. And, uh, you know, one night I saw something peeking its uh, head through the window, you know, so it had to have been eight feet tall and it had yellow glowing eyes. Uh, you know, was that a bear or a Bigfoot or, or, or something? I don't know. That That's the closest thing I've had to any sort of weird creature, uh, type experience, uh, there are a lot of cases uh, throughout this area. Um, you know, Momo, the Missouri Bigfoot, uh, uh, supposedly is seen throughout Missouri. Uh, those those go back to the early '70s, and people still claim to see, you know, orange Bigfoots and in, in Southern Illinois, uh, white Bigfoots. You know, and and tracks still show up uh, all throughout this area, up into Ohio. Uh, but of course. You know, that has nothing on the Pacific Northwest, where, as you know, uh, people have, have by the thousands have seen things that are certainly not bears. Uh, you know, possible misidentifications, but you know, generally, people that you know live in those areas up there and know what they're looking at. So, uh, I think uh, the wilderness is big enough up there for 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 something. Um, now you have to get into the science of, okay, you know, what is a sustainable population, What are their migration routes, where are they going to eat, how do they survive, how come, you know, we don't have any more substantial evidence, you know, like a body or bones or anything like that. Uh, all those need to be addressed, and I think that's one thing that, that people are looking for, you know. You can have the experience, but again, you need to have something in order to convince other people other than other than your tail. Uh, now, if we're getting into into the speculative, uh, you know, we might be dealing with a creature from, you know, a parallel parallel universe or another reality. Maybe things can slip in and out of, uh, and this is being speculative, you know. And and there's totally room for that if you if you recognize that you are speculating, you know, there there may be some sort of interdimensional aspect or metaphysical or spiritual you know there are people that believe bigfoot might be a ghost you know ghost watchers there are people that believe bigfoot might be an alien um or an ultra-terrestrial you know some sort of creature from the future or alternate realities or different dimensions uh all those are possibilities but uh Ultimately, if you're looking for proof, it's going to come down to evidence. Or if you're looking for the experience, uh, I guess you just have to have one. And I guess I'm going to enough of these places to where uh, the the likelihood increases of, uh, you know, me seeing something. And hopefully something like that will happen.
3: Well, you know what? One thing when it comes to Bigfoot that I've learned through this, and I'm someone who is, I've seen two of them and the one awesome. thing that, the one thing that i have learned is bigfoot is one of those rare anomalies that in my opinion has divided up people in this field we have the strictly scientific compared to the strictly spiritual and there doesn't seem to be much in between and i think both sides are right as weird as that sounds but there has to mm-hmm. be some dynamic down the middle because one side doesn't want to investigate the other. And I'm thinking scratching my right. head here, how do we prove a creature exists when we refuse to delve into all the information and experiences that people have had in regards to it?
6: Right. Uh, well, and and you know, but those experiences will take you only so far. Uh, I think experiences are, are, are good for giving us clues as to what we're looking for yeah. you know and where are good places are to look but ultimately you still have to do the looking you can't you know just take somebody's witness account and and, and it may be uh, sufficient for you know say a court of law but science uh, and I don't speak for science I'm just some dude so you know I'm just giving my my opinion here uh, but I do think science does, you know, require uh, more than just accounts. You know, uh, they would want all the stuff brought from the Galapagos to study. You know, not just take somebody's word on, oh, this island exists. You know, and all this weird stuff there. Uh, ultimately, we have to put our uh, put our feet to the ground and go out there and uh, and look for some of these things. And I I try to do it with my family and you know, a fun, entertaining way, you know, uh, while also encouraging uh, others to uh, to do likewise and to kind of push these fields uh, into, uh, you know, respecting these places and, and pushing some, you know, serious investigations so that we can uh, really honor what uh, some of these things uh, are or aren't and, and their impact that they've had on us and, um
3: But that's what I think. We only got a couple of minutes left with you here tonight on the Mighty S.O.R. Is there, besides having the experience, is there anything that you want to have happen while you're going through this? Besides getting that close encounter with aliens or Bigfoot or Mothman, what would be the ultimate for you?
6: Well, um... For me, as, as a travel writer who, you know, writes about paranormal locations, I, I'm, I'm just sort of looking through that for that, you know, that thrill, that little high of being in, uh, you know, in this weird spot. Uh, the investigator researcher side of me, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what it would necessarily take, you know, is that what you're asking or?
3: Yeah, well, what would be, as we start to wind things down here, let, let me rephrase, what would be the one thing that you want to see to give you straight confirmation? Would it be Bigfoot? Would it be an alien? Oh,
6: which Oh, which of those? Um, I don't know, I'd like to have some kind of ghost experience. I think that'd be pretty fascinating. Now, uh, uh, Some people have said I've already had it, you know, because uh, after I visited, like, exorcist house and mcpike mansion and the let mansion all within like a two-day period i was in a hospital you know within like a week and some people have said you know you can't visit too many evil places at once you know otherwise it'll start to affect you um uh, but yeah I, I guess probably uh yeah like a ghost
3: mm-hmm. but
6: I, I would want a full body apparition or you know a ghost to, right on right. shoulder, I think that'd be an interesting blame you. thing.
3: But. I don't blame you. <laughs> Michael Huntington, thank you so much for being on Space Out Radio tonight. I'm going to get you to hold on for a minute while I shut this thing okay. down. If you're listening in on the terrestrial radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal cranking out the music. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Keeps us rocking in and takes us home. Every single night we want to say thank you to everyone participating in the chat rooms on all of our internet sites including Twitter and those who carry us on a nightly basis including our terrestrial radio stations WQEE down in Noonan, Georgia and UPRN in New Orleans on 107.7 FM FM. Great to have you all with us tonight. Tomorrow night of the program, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight eastern time, Jennifer Weigel is going to join us. We're talking paranormal. We're talking spirituality. We're trying to figure out what is going on and can you communicate with the other side? It's going to be a great night at spacedoutradio.com. Tomorrow night's my last show before I head off to Boston. On the weekend, I want to say thank you to everyone on my team who takes part and makes this show happen. Bob Davis with our great intro voice. From the encounter, Everett Themer and Eric Markham. Jolene on the website. Catherine James, social media. Kim Gandy, director of business. Thomas McGowan in sales. I am your host, Dave Scott. And we own the night. Thank you very much for being with us on the mighty SOR. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home.